0: Alechem Chavivi. Shalom. How are you doing today? I'm feeling comforted. Oh, man. That's that's Baruch Hashem. That's awesome. I see what you did there. I, I feel
1: like you would. And we're going to talk about that today.
0: <laughs> well, without further ado, let's go ahead on and uh, continue to be comforted. And I want to welcome everyone on the podcast to the Haftarah Get You Some. For parasha Chanan with Shomerman and Chassis uh, We just left out of Tisha B'Av and we are quickly approaching Tuba'av So in the middle of this time frame, we would just want to take a moment and share some insights So I will commence with the blessing before the Haftarah Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam Asher Bachar, bin veim Tovim, Ve Ve Ha Ne Emarim, Be Baruch Ata Adonai, Haboker Batora, Uv Avdo, Uv Yisrael Amo, uvin Vie Haemet Emet In the Merit of Mashiach Yeshua Amen. Man, it feels so good to just take some time and just say, "You know what, Hashem, I bless you for your word. I thank you for those who have gone before us and have brought down your word and made it available for us, and that we're going to align our hearts, our souls, our lives to that word. So
1: to God to for that blessing. It's like, that's such an important factor. Just not, not just to, just the study, Not you know, studying is always a great thing, but it's also to align ourselves with that word. Oh, man. In a sense, you know, imitating God and in sense, you know, becoming one with him and, and just basking in his presence, radiating the light that he radiates.
0: No better place. All right. Well, with our new tradition, tradition, tradition. <laughs> we, uh, we have the... Half overview, which kind of is a tricky word because it's technically like the the uh Haftura context, so that we know like time frame, background, you know, things like that. So would you like to go ahead and uh, elucidate that for us? Like
1: I said the the half Torah overview slash context. So here it goes: the half Torah. This half Torah, of course, is half Torah. Uh, This, This half Torah is from the book of Isaiah 41 to 26. It's where the Judeans had been living in Babylonian exile far from Jerusalem for nearly half a century. Their spirits were low and their faith in a return to Zion was weak. Earlier prophets like Ezekiel, Jeremiah, had tried to keep the exiled Judeans' hope for a return alive and well. And for a while they succeeded. But now the decades were passing and nothing had happened. At this point... Isaiah, or Yeshayahu, continues the work of the previous prophet. He he assures the Babylonian exiles, a whole new generation of Hebrews, that God has forgiven them for the wrongs that have been committed in the past. The penalty for wrongdoing has been paid. Now better times are ahead of the Judeans. And if they are in a doubt about this, they must understand that God is all-powerful, the ruler over all rulers. Creator of all the universe, he is concerned about the Hebrew exiles. He'll make a possible return to Zion. And so it's a little bit of the context going on here. And, you know, he ended up prophesying like a hundred, 190 years before the Horban, the destruction of the, of the, uh, oh. and so, you know, just a little time frame as far as Yamahu was like in the whole destruction. He witnessed it. You know, we just got back from you know, observing Echa. I'm doing Tish B'Av with, with the reading of Echa and lamentations, and, and so this is, it's like taking a step back in time. And we've, we've mentioned, interesting, that we mentioned Yeshayahu, the reading of Yahoo after, after Jeremiah, even though he, he's before him. Right. And it's like, it's like re- redeeming, taking it back, like we're talking, like ta- taking it back to the Garden, taking it back to the beginning, when there was no sin, when there was no death, when there was no destruction. And, you know, we also mentioned last time how his his, his name has the same gematria as the Aleph Tav, like the first and the last. Yes. And so it's like the idea of the first should be last and last shall be first. And that, that goes with if we repent and we turn to a shim, that goes with our sins. Our sins will be made as if they never happened. We'll be taken back to the beginning and, you know, we'll be like essentially clean before shim again. And so there's a kind of overview of all that. And the... The the summary, the verse, verse by verse, essentially 1 to 2, is the prophets comforting the Jewish people by announcing the end of the exile. Verses 3 to 11 is a description of future return from the, the exile, including the assurance that God will keep His promise. Verses 12 to 18, talk about at creation, Hashem computed the weight and measures of all the components of the universe. Verses 19 to 20 is like the folly of the worshipping images and idols. 21, everyone is capable of inferring the presence of the Creator. 22 Hashem maintains the universe and 23 and 24 Hashem directs all events on earth and lastly we have verses 25 and 26 which is just more about uh, the Almighty's uniqueness and his his great power so there's our there's our half tour overview and verse by first kind of just like synopsis
0: nice breaking it down like a windmill <laughs> with a six step <laughs> yeah you know now that we can listen to music i'm kind of feeling my whole dance uh vibe again so you know so my references might get a little bit more dancey i guess
1: (laughs) all right well it's it's a good good time it's a good time man you know because this is all this is like this is beginning the phase we talked about last time it was all about those the end of the the three weeks of of just like this, this destruction and mourning and now we're coming into the phase we've come into the phase of the seven half tours of comfort
0: Man. where
1: israel is being just comforted and being reassured that of, of the future hope mm. of the, the future redemption of the mashiach of of hashem taking us out of the exile and so i think there's there's going to be this spiritual atmosphere you know that comes along with that of, of just the atmosphere of hope and comfort
0: i mean so basically it's like uh one of seven here that we're starting this week of a a series of comfort and um just you know building up basically you know from all the destruction that we've gone through the morning
1: exactly and just so it's so easy to get kind of redirected and beaten off path and, and this, this exile that we're living in. And, you know, just just these, these half-tours come along and sort of just guide us and redirect us and uh, just reassure us in this, this time of, kind of, confusion.
0: And it's interesting that it's seven, because, you know, seven's like the lamps of the branches of the menorah. Yeah. And so, like, <laughs> Hashem is our light and our salvation, which is Yeshua, you know, and we're like... Being guided by the light and turning ourselves toward the face of the menorah. so that's just absolutely you know you can feel it. you can just feel yeah. it.
1: That's awesome that you you brought that up. I feel like I, I wasn't you know I didn't even think about the whole concept of menorah, but I think you have a like a camera camera in my study session over right here.
2: Uh-huh. I'm talking, about,
1: talking about the whole idea of of this light and because what's interesting about this
0: half Torah. Is it begins with a noon, and it ends with a resh? Oh, did you really just? Yes, and wow. so you talk about the
1: menorah. It's just, it's exactly. It's what what this what this uh, is encapsulated in. It's the the lamp. It's the nair. Wow. We've we've talked about this before. The nair, you know, of course, it's like the lamp upon the menorah, and it's also a name of Mashiach, as it says in Midrash Agadah. Mentioned this before, but. God said to Israel, I will redeem you through the Mashiach, who is likened to a lamp. As it says, I'll prepare a lamp for my anointed.
0: Ooh.
1: And then earlier in the uh, earlier half-tour we did, we actually elucidated the whole menorah and, you know, liking that to Yeshua, talking about how that light of the menorah is like the concealed light, which is the light of the Mashiach. Mm-mm. And so that's awesome. Like the whole idea of seven is here. This It's encamped within the air, within the lamp, within... You know, the, the illusion of, of Mashiach. And with Hashim, we're going to talk a lot about Mashiach and the comfort that he, he brings, that he brought, and that he will bring.
0: Baruch Hashem. May it be so speedily and soon in our days. Amen. Uh, I definitely want to get me some of that. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so the next part is the introduction of our characters. But uh, yeah. we've been chilling with Yeshiyahu for a little bit. So, do we uh, we got more to, to learn about Yeshiyahu?
1: Well, I was thinking we could kind of take a little swerve. Okay. And, you know, still talk about Yeshiyahu, but just kind of get us really in, in focus of what it meant to be a prophet. You mm. know, what, what did that call for? What was it like?
0: You know, that's really good because we can learn about these prophets every day, but you know it, it's like knowing the personality of a person, but not really knowing what they do, and yes. so I think that's a really great idea, and I, I'm glad you brought that up.
1: Right, Here we go. It says talking about a navi, talking about a prophet. Navi it says, generally a navi became a navi, became a prophet by dint of his sterling character, profound Torah knowledge. And the training he received from a teacher recognized as a prophet or a navi. And if after intense training, the individual merited, Hashem bestowed prophecy upon him. So it wasn't just like this thing, like, poof, you get epiphany. There's this whole procedure. There's another prophet who preceded you, who trained you, almost like, almost like, like the whole idea of uh, like rabbis.
0: Yes, and stuff. I so was, the was just There's thinking that. The
1: same, same context. And so the whole job goes on talking about the job of the Na'vi is to love Am Yisrael as a parent fearlessly loves his children Ooh. and to sacrifice all, sacrifice all that they will be true servants of Hashem. Shem. This continue on and talk about like each and every generation did not heed the words. Um, even, if that, even if the generations did not heed the words of rebuke, future generations would. Mm. So, I mean, we have, we have the words of Yeshiyahu, uh Yemaihu. Uh, Hoshia like all, all of them today, and we're still listening to their words. Absolutely. <clears throat> so it's not just for that time period. It was given in in that time period, you know, to understand, understand what's going on there, but their words were meant to be carried out through all generations. Uh, I think we mentioned this before, but there was millions of prophets, but the prophets, the only prophets that actually got within, like canonized, if you will, within scripture, within the Tanakh, were those whose words would like, be true or be for every generation.
0: Really? Yes. And so that's the thing and so when, when you know, you have certain commentators
1: talking about, you know, things that refer to Mashiach or things that refer you know, things that refer Meshiach Yeshua, um, especially about like Isaiah, where it's talking about Prince of Peace and all this all this kind of stuff, the five names, you know, it they say it's only Hezekiah that it's like it can't possibly be true because it has to meet like every single generation hezekiah is not alive today
0: oh that was violent
1: (laughs) of 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 a king and a man that he was you know he did not merit to be the mashiach and so just just kind of in context you know and a little little you know ammo for your arsenal if anyone tries to hit you with that and say hey That verse can't possibly be about Yeshua because it's about this guy. Well, in the canonized text, the prophet's words had a ring for like every generation.
0: Wow. So, Tag. All right. What you got? I agree. So, what I'm hearing is that Mashiach is in every generation. And so, the fact that he has made the ultimate sacrifice, it's like a, a... it spans all generations because it's his sacrifice is obviously before the foundations, but the fact that he is in every generation because the prophecies pertain to every generation, he is also the head or the leader, like the Rebbe of every generation. So that just like that connected for me, just as you were, sharing those insights because you never really think about what it really means to be the Mashiach like why is it so important for us to know that Mashiach is alive and enduring you know like we seeing uh David Melek, Melek Yisrael, Chaibek Hayam, David the king of Israel he's alive and and well he's enduring you know but it's like we're talking about Mashiach, who's also called the greater David, by the way. So it's like, are we singing? Who are we singing about? You know, and it's like, wow. but you know you what?
1: Know, you, said, you know you said? Can I just quick tag on this? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Please, because he's called the greater David. Mm. And we mentioned the word Nair, right? And there is is like noon resh. Yes. If you, you look at that, you look at the noon, well, noon... Is the fourteenth letter of the alphabet, and and you you read that like that's the gamacho of David. So noon relates to David, and then resh, resh is like like rosh, like the head. Right. And so and that's incorporated in this this half word. It's like noon resh. It's like David, the head, the head David. Wow. Right. Or like resh for like Rob, like great, like the greater David. And so the whole idea of air this lamp, you know, it's it's all about the greater David. Wow. Up the world, beautiful, and that's that's what encapsulates this entire half Torah.
0: The Greater David.
1: So, oh man, so thank you, thank you for letting me just shine a light on that that whole idea. The Mashiach called the Greater David. But, yeah, but we carry on, man. I just had a, I had to just <laughs> just go there because you just inspired me with that. So, but carry on. I apologize for interrupting.
0: No need to apologize. This is just everything is just really compounding you know it's you think about nakamu nakamu like that said twice we're going into seven weeks of comfort and we're talking about mashiach being alive and well he can come at any moment you know like we're daily anticipating his arrival and though he delay we still wait you know true imuna and mashiach you know that's what that's all about and so I, i'm just like just taking it all in but i just wanted to share that as you were bringing those insights down about the words of prophecy and the importance of moon and mashiach had to be spoken so get your son
1: definitely wow <laughs> just like i feel like after some of the things you know, you talk about it's just like, like Selah, You know, <laughs> like yes. yeah, it's like almost it's almost doing injustice to keep going. But I feel like you know, gotta keep pushing forward.
0: Right, we gotta keep climbing higher.
1: da, man, toda.
0: Baruch Hashem, Shemo. Man,
1: so right here, this idea of the prophets. Their their words had to be meat for every generation. They sacrificed their entire lives. Uh, it, it goes on talking about this. Explains why Caleb and Yehoshua. Yeshayahu and all the Nevidim sacrificed their all to love their people, inspire them to teshuva. They weren't just doing it for that generation. They knew, they knew, like, their, their words would, would meet for all generations, that their voices would, it would be like this resounding voice. Like, today, if you would hear my voice.
0: Ooh. Know, like
1: so, but the idea, um, from like, you know, uh, this idea that the Nevadim, the, the, the These prophets, they actually did more than disrelate Hashem's intent. Their words acted as a medium for triggering the prophecy and making it a reality. So you just think about that. The power Hashem has really given them. You know, Their words acting as a medium for triggering the prophecy in order to make it a reality. And you actually see this in uh, some of the commentary on Yosef and when he interprets dreams. If you read some of the commentary, I think it's just in the, within the art, art scroll, Kumash commentary, that his dreams for the, the cup bearer and, and, and the both of them, it came to existence because he interpreted the dreams in a certain way. So because of Yosef's interpretation of his, their dreams, it came out that way. And so, you know, you also have this idea of Yosef, like, as this Nevi'im, as this prophet,
2: right words as a medium for triggering that prophecy into reality oh. and so
1: just a little you know I know we usually say this for the end but practical note if you have a bad dream um interpret it favorably or tell it to a person who's going to interpret it favorably just speak goodness and life into, into people and into their, their mind
0: ah man tag go for it so beautiful so beautiful is what you just shared that I just wanted to point out that I just I'm in my Tanakh over here and I just was minding my own business looking at commentary like you said if you just look at some of the things in the commentary about Yosef interpreting the dreams and seriously the 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 words and the prophecy are the 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 words of the prophecy are the medium to trigger what Hashem is doing okay yeah. so, so that's absolutely insane amazing but over here in parasha Miketz, because that's where we went back to all the way back there uh <laughs> it's commenting on verses one through seven in Bereshit 41 and it's talking about the time frame of yosef being uh re- being uh, about to be released from prison that he is approximately 30 years old. Now, wow. that punched me in the face. Because when did Mashiach began his ministry? When he was 30 years old. And so Yosef is completing his prison statement at that point. And then, oh, just keeps adding on. I'm just reading footnotes now. It says that it was Rosh Hashanah when he wow. was released. <laughs> wow. So... So, yeah, and then, if I am uh, not mistaken, it was some three years that it took into the famine for Yosef's family to be joined with him in Mitzrayim. Which would have meant that Yosef was 33 when he did the work of uniting Yisrael. Anyway, I just wanted to share what is happening with what's going on over here because i want to throw stuff right now but i'm gonna i'm gonna refrain and i'm gonna listen to hasis right now
1: no no, like that was that's where it was extremely worth it (laughs) (laughs) i mean all right it's been said by by two witnesses about yosef Words acting as a medium for prophecy. It's where we left off about prophets, and uh, this this kind of gives you in uh, a good idea of wrapping your mind around why people would either deliberately ignore the prophecy, or even even worse, attempt to stop the navi's words by even even going as far as like to kill them, mm. because they knew their words. It wasn't just them relating. You know Hashem's intent. They were triggering this medium. They were given the authority to trigger medium and speak into reality. You know, and so
0: so like you're here, saying this is why
1: he tried to kill the prophets, like like Zechariah, the Kohen Gadol. Like you know, this is why Yonah attempted to flee from his mission, and why Yeramihu was still reviled and persecuted. Wow! It's just in context. Also, ultimately, you know why Yeshua.
0: Was. Oh come on now!
1: The reasons why Yeshua was was persecuted and rejected by the leadership.
0: Believe that.
1: it. Corrupt leadership at that time.
0: Oh no, that.
1: Because you, know, <laughs> you know Pharisees were the good guys, you know, but at the,
0: at the same time, trust it <laughs> uh, Trust that? I believe that? But there was, there was some
1: corrupt people in power. It wasn't because they were Pharisees or Jews or anything like that.
0: Mm. You know, it was
1: because they were bought by a dumb. They were bought by Rome.
0: Did, really oh, did you just wow yeah that was Coming violent
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna, you gonna say
0: something i i mean i'm just like getting assaulted right now but like what's your the meaning behind what you're saying no let me change that the weight behind what you're saying is that these words like actuate into reality as we take a hold of them because think
1: yeah, no, I'm sorry.
0: Go ahead. No, go ahead. What were you going to say?
1: No, I was, I was saying it's probably the, the idea behind, you know, the, the verse, you know, there's life and death in the power of the tongue,
0: mm, man. So, I mean, it's like we can literally, we can literally take these words as they have been presented to us and say, Hashem, may it be so we can walk in agreement with these words and they can actually and they do actually affect reality that's powerful i mean yeah. there's like weapons and rockets and like bombs and stuff you can do but like the word of hashem though you know just saying that's wow
1: yeah and this was our blessing is our blessing the voice of Yahoo, which is like the the studying torah and prayer and so when you read And what is prayer essentially? If you're looking at from the Sador, it's quoting words of Torah, quoting words of Psalm Tehillim, and all sorts of scriptures. And so you you're essentially proclaiming out words of Torah, Mm. and way more powerful than the blessing of the sword.
2: Should we should we choose to
1: take that route? It's a harder route. It's a harder route. But at the same time, and in our prayers, in our Torah study, we are taking something. You know, even just blessing. Like a, like a cup of water or an apple saying the, the, the blessings before and after we are taking something physical and, and making it spiritual. And we're, we're establishing Hashem's kingdom.
0: We're transfigurating. Yes. Transfiguring. Oh. yes. That's an a verb. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. That escalated quickly.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, this is also, um, taking it back to, Yeshayahu, Isaiah, uh, for anyone unfamiliar with the uh, Idrit, this is why he was not so abused for his prophecies, because, you know, you have a lot of his prophecies, which were prophecies of comfort, but...
0: <laughs> really? Also,
1: yeah, <laughs> you know, like, we'll accept that. Yeah,
0: we'll take know? it. We won't hurt you this time.
1: <laughs> but you also have to take into account, like what we mentioned earlier, that he was 100
0: 90 years before the destruction there is so that prophets were not immediate so like
1: we've got time that's like two centuries after you know so they're, they're they're probably feeling a little lax they weren't feeling the pressure and so they didn't they didn't mistreat him necessarily for his prophecies like they did the other prophets mm. uh, and his death really came at the hands of a shim wow. because Yeshayahu spoke something he wasn't supposed to and as we discussed And last week's, last week's half Torah about him enveloping in the tree and him being cut down through the, through his mouth, which spoke something he wasn't intended to speak.
2: Mm. And
1: if you think that's harsh, um, keep in mind that Hashem judges according to levels of righteousness. So he's more strict with the righteous, like Yeshayahu, who would have been, who would have been extremely righteous, can be very, very strict with him. So him uttering something that may have been true but was not in accordance with Hashim what Hashim wanted uh, gave him the death penalty. Wow. So it wasn't necessarily because of, of his prophecies against people. It was because he said something he shouldn't have.
0: Well, yeah. a practical halakha point to that tag <laughs> is, yeah. is definitely, let's be very discerning with our words for sure and use them appropriately, which would be let's refrain from LaShawn Hurrah at every single opportunity that is ever possible. If you see it, just go, Not today. Nope, not today. Yeah. You know. So we're And
1: and also tagging on to that idea, you know, not just this idea of, you know, we should avoid gossip and talking you know, talking bad, but we should avoid even rude comments or mean comments, um, even if they're in a joking fashion against someone else.
0: Oh, man. That would, that
1: would incite someone to speak speak evil, you know, that said person or something like that. So wow. just remember, like we talked about, there's so much life in the power of the tongue, but there's also so much death if we choose that route. You know, we were not giving the blessing of the sword, Esau, which separates and brings death. We were giving the blessing of, of the voice of Yaakov, which is words of Torah. And we read that all its paths are shalom. Mm. You know, related to shalom, like, like the whole idea of completeness. Right. And like, like Torah, it's, it's our very life. And so we're supposed to be, we're inclined to be speaking life and not curses or death. So I'm, I'm really glad you brought that, that whole point up.
0: Amen. may it be so.
1: And so we, we mentioned this idea of a prophet. We mentioned that they were, they were trained. And they have to have exceptional character. They have to be extremely wise in their Torah knowledge.
2: Mm.
1: Um, they have to really love the people, give them their all. They relate Hashem's intent, and the, their words are are like a trigger for, for you know, like a medium for triggering reality. So now we have Yeshayahu. He was an exception to the idea of of the first part we mentioned, which was like the intent training. So it it goes. It says that Yeshua was an exception to this. He was a profound, a profound Torah scholar of sterling character. He was never trained as a prophet. His designation was conferred upon him by Hashem Himself. Uh oh. And so we read in the Baisor about Yeshua and Yeshua, and mentioned that when he was young, he would go up to the temple and he would teach.
0: Oh, the great saints.
1: And so here we have this simulate this picture that's being brought forth. You know, why is this idea being recorded? It's being recorded to to bring a picture of the Mashiach who, who would come, and now currently at this time, who did come. Also mentions that Yeshua questioned his unworthiness to be a Navi, kind of like Moshe, and explains that he was very humble and proper. And these are humble. The idea of humility is also, you know, Yeshua talks about it means that talks about him being a humble, humble person.
0: That's right. That's why he came in on a donkey.
1: And, you know, talking about this idea of us us speaking life, you know, the Midrash explains that Hashem said to Yeshayahu, I chose you to be my Navi because you love to make my children righteous.
0: Oh. and And
1: willingly accept the resentment towards you for doing so.
0: Please repeat that.
1: Wow. So Midrash goes on to say that, Hashem said to Yeshua and just to clarify, Yeshua as, as, you know, Shomeran pointed out in the last half Torah, it's like Yeshua with a K, you know, Hashem's name at the end of it. And so it's like you have the divine, divine Yeshua and salvation brought by Hashem hidden with encoded within his name, within the Hebrew within the Hebrew letters. Wow. And so this is who it's talking about. And this is who Hashem is talking to. He says, I chose you to be my Navi because you love to make my children righteous and willingly accept the resentment toward you for doing so.
0: Ugh, man, oh. just thinking about Mashiach Yeshua as you say that. Oh, my word. Whoo. Come out. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm about to hulk out in here. Oh, wait. That's not my character. I'm a Hang on. It's
1: not your job. Oh. Do some <laughs>
0: my bad. I'll stand down. Stand down.
1: <laughs> Maybe you can get the buster out. And
0: <laughs> oh, I got one of those. Let me go get that. Alright, so you got more points on the office of being a prophet?
1: Well, on the office of being a prophet, I think we, we co- covered those grounds. We saw how Yeshua was different and how his his difference is is, is pointed at, it's pulled out from the other prophets to highlight Mashiach Yeshua and what was to come from his perspective, what did come from our perspective. And so I just kind of want to link it to the, you know, the, the the calendar now, link this half Torah to the calendar and the weekly weekly Parsha Ooh, um, get before some. we continue. All right. And so, um, of course, we have this idea of this half Torah. One second. So this half Torah um, comes after uh, Shabbos Khazan.
0: Right. You know, we just
1: got after the destruction, and now we're coming into the idea of comfort. And so we now begin a series of half Torahs known as Shiva de nechmata the Seven of Consolation. Wow. And so this is, you know, we have the Shabbos that's coming up that's known as Shabbos Namchum uh, and this is the Shabbos that's always after Tishba It's from uh, Shabbos Nachamu until the Shabbos. Uh, so essentially, from Shabbos uh, Nachamu until the Shabbos for Rosh, ha- Rosh Hashanah, we read these seven half Torahs. They're all from Yeshayahu. and they all contain these stirring messages of of comfort. And so you know, it just it represents this dramatic departure from mourning and grief, like we mentioned earlier. And but there's this question. Um, that comes up in the Midrash Haftorah and says, you know, why were there precisely seven Haftorahs of
0: Constellation?
1: And so it goes on to say that seven marks many holy events in the Jewish calendar. Shabbat, we have the Shemitah, we have, you know, like the, the seventh millennium, Ooh. which is in the era of the Alam Haba. The,
0: the world to El- come. Haba.
1: Ultimately, uh, the number seven represents a level of perfection and consummate happiness.
0: Hmm. So does that mean when the bride finishes circling the groom underneath the hoopa, that's like consummate happiness?
1: Mm. Oh man. I love that. love that picture.
0: It's like this, this is who I chose and this is who I choose and I'm really happy about it.
1: Yes. And it's interesting that you do mention the bride.
0: Oh. Because
1: Midrash uh, is this tale that the the Midrash brings um, about a queen, a queen who is plunged into mourning
2: Mm. because
1: everybody, her husbands, her sons, her daughters, and all their spouses, all her family, her brothers and sisters, they all abandon her without letting her know and without letting her know and, and without letting her know when they return. Wow. And so it, it goes on to say that after many years, a herald announced one day that the queen's sons were on their way home.
2: Mm. She was
1: greatly cheered by this news. She was greatly cheered. Next, he told her that her daughters were about to return. She then hurried that her daughters-in-law, sons-in-law, brothers and sisters were returning. She was delighted. Finally, she was told that her husband, the king, the seventh of the absent groups was on his way home. There's now her joy knew no bounds, it was complete. And so there's your, the seventh. Wow. So this signifies, you know, the joy of B'nai Israel will reach at the zenith of its redemption, you know, that's just undiminished, the happiness undiminished by sorrow, anxiety, you know, and just the, the pains of exile.
0: Wow. That just makes me want to sing the song that our fellow green big guy Loves to sing. What well, he does sing, and it's "Return, daughters of Israel, return to your cities. Return, daughters of Israel." Man, man, that's man. what's happening. That's what's happening.
1: I love it. You know, relating everything to to this idea of a song. You know, because, you know, uh, go to it here. Since you're you're singing singing these tunes,
2: (laughs) there's this like,
1: (laughs) no, I love it because it's like, you know, the actions you're taking relates to uh, these concepts of redemption, which is extremely unique. Because, you know, the the Hazal, they say that um, every song of the past was termed like Shirah, which is like in the feminine. Whereas the song of the future redemption is going to be called a shear, a song in the masculine gender. Mm. And so talking about like, like a male who does not undergo repeated labor pains. Ooh. And so like it's like this permanent redemption. There's no more exiles that come after this. And oh, so I think, I think it's fitting that you're singing a song and that, you know, obviously you're male. And <laughs> so you have, you have a shear <laughs> You know, you have, you have a shear. A song, and so you 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 sing this tune, especially after Echa, and especially coming into the, uh, you know, these seven seven half tours of of consolation and comfort. I think it's just very fitting, you know. Wow. Like, uh, like uh, you know, there's no Hebrew word for coincidence, and it, so it ain't. You know, it's very fitting. It's very fitting. Oh,
0: you know, your
1: your she'er is prophesying about the redemption to come. <laughs>
0: It sure is. It
1: sure, uh, <laughs> <laughs> tune in next time. No. <laughs>
0: yeah, right? Dude, Be sure uh, to tune. Oh, wow. Getting tuned up. I mean, turned up. Oh, <laughs> man.
1: Okay. All right. <laughs> so that's another question. There's another question.
0: There, oh, we got more questions. All right. More bring questions. it. Bring it. You know, the
1: rabbis and all they love to ask questions. And there's another question. We We, we were talking about this whole idea of, it's out of order. And what's interesting is you kind of expect these these half tours of constellation to go in order. <laughs> we don't read them in the order they appear. No. You know, the, the Midrash explains it as, as follows Hashem commands the prophet, you know, go comfort B'nai Yisrael. That's, that's our half tour that we're about to read. Aight. And then, however, the Jews refuse to accept the constellation. From human beings, they protest, Hashem has forsaken me and God has forgotten me. That's our next half Torah in Oh. The prophets report to Hashem that the Jewish people is afflicted, stormy, not comforted. And that's our the half-torah after that. And so it's all the, the beginnings of all these, these half-torahs. And then replies to Hashem: the Jewish nation is right. I caused her all this. Myself, I said, I myself need to comfort her. Then he announces it is I. It is I who is your comforter. And that's half Torah Shofarim. It says this accounts for the the, the order of the first four half Torahs. And then we have the last three, which is actually patterned after midrash that we read about the Queen and how you mentioned the bride circling seven times, and we related it to these half Torahs, the story about the Queen. It says, First she is told, Your sons are returning, jubilate you barren one. That's the half Torah." of uh, mm. Then she is told, "Your husband is coming back. Arise and shine." Compared to Hashem's glory has shined over you. Half Torah of Kisavo. Oh, mm. rejoiced she exclaimed. I will rejoice greatly in Hashem. And that's the last of the seven half torahs. No. And so, like this whole idea. This is why they're out of order because they're paralleling this idea of uh, this kind of dialogue between Israel and the prophets and Hashem. About you know comfort and redemption and and Hashem says you know I'm gonna I'm gonna be your comfort I'm going to redeem you and then it gets into the the last three which is relating the story the story of the the queen who's everyone who's abandoned her and then suddenly you know all her family starts coming back to her and she's restored to her former glory. Wow. Yeah.
0: Tag. And, <laughs> go for it. I agree. Just want to say something real quick, because I know you're about to drop another bomb. Um, But, you know, I was reading, studying today on the Parsha, and it was really talking about on the Haftara that, you know, this is like redemption, you know, that we're anticipating. And it's like this time that we're in just out of Tisha B'Av and all of the morning time and things like that from the three weeks that... It's like, as we head towards Rosh Hashanah, there's nothing but repent, repent, repent. But that is building, you know, we're, we're rebuilding like right now we're building. And it was talking about how just in the text, I just got this whole sense of the redemption is happening right now because more and more people are beginning to be gathered in from the four corners of the earth. And Yerushalayim is being you know repopulated with Yehudim and Mashiach ben Yosef his name is being lifted up and you know when his name is lifted up what happens all men are drawn to him so to what you said I mean it's just it is like you you just feel that and the fact that that's Shem that is doing all this is I mean Hallelujah.
1: It's comforting because in this this tab tour it goes in and talking about, you know, how you know, essentially like he can contain all the waters within his hand. You know, it, it talks oh. about his his power and his majesty. So the fact that it's a shim who's doing this, like like you said, it is extremely comforting because he is all powerful. There's nothing anything that could like stand in his way. He's the creator of everything. Okay, so. so him being the comforter is like the ultimate comfort. It's like the final comfort.
0: Wow. Tag really quick on the on another tag that we just tagged. <laughs> okay. Because this goes with the what you just said about Hashem holds the water in his hands. Mm-hmm. I wasn't gonna say anything, but because I'm so beside myself happy right now, we have a new member to the Zadaka League, which is the Hebrew of the Justice League. So if like the Justice League was Jewish we got that. So there's a, there's a guy, there's a dude and his name is Shazam. And so we now have a Shomer version of Shazam who's called Keruz. and his name means proclamation. So he was born yesterday and this is what he said. He said, "Bava Batra. He comes in swinging Talmud, dude. Okay. Baba Batra, 74B, talking about when the lower water rises to meet the upper water. He says, when Yeshua is the high priest, he will offer the water libation. Then the spring of living water under Yerushalayim will burst out and water the whole earth. The living, holy, the living water, holy water, imparts cleanness to the bitter waters of the earth wherever it goes. End of wow. tag. So that's, that's some elucidation behind what you just shared with Hashem holding all the water in his hand.
1: Wow. So. That's
0: incredible. This guy, man.
1: i talking about water libation of Sukkot, correct? Ken. Ken. Which is the festival where we dwell in sukas which is reminiscent of the clouds of glory and we mentioned before the cloud is like a name of Mashiach. Right. And so it's like dwelling we're in that moment we're dwelling with the Shem. We're being comforted by, by his presence because in the cloud, the clouds of glory, you know, it didn't allow any of the snakes and scorpions and it was almost like if you read sort of the the commentaries by the rabbis on this, it was almost like the clouds were just lifting them up and carrying them.
0: They were. And so,
1: that's comfort. I don't, yeah, that's comfort.
0: <laughs> that is. That is, like, better than so, first class comfort.
1: <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'd, yeah, I'd buy a ticket of that. Me too. It's called conversion. Oh, cool. <laughs> Man. Okay, so, all swerves aside.
0: All swerves all aside. All
1: swerves, all swerves aside. I think that's got a ring to it. Now, all swerves aside. <laughs> we have this idea, and it mentioned that once we get to the Half Torf team, and I know we're not there yet, but all swerves aside, we're going to take another swerve. Swerve. It is I, it is I who is your comforter. And if you go back to read that, it says, <inaudible> which, if you look at that, the word for comforter, your comforter, if you take that,
0: you look at the letters, you have mem, Nun Chet mem, uh
1: And, you know, this represents, like, the whole Mim of Mashiach. And so I remember you, I think it was definitely you It was yep. the first person of Mashiach. The word Mashiach says Mim uh, Shin Yud Chet. Each yep. one of his letters, in the name of Mashiach, represents a name of Mashiach, represents a mission of Mashiach. And so because you're the first person, let me know if you'd like to
0: elucidate that. I'd, I'd love to hear it. No, I know the audience would as well. Oh, goodness. Alright, so you are just so violent today for bringing up Mashiach, like in everything.
1: We got you, man. It's in there. contained in there.
0: Wow. Well, alrighty then. So the Mem, the Sheen, the Yod, the Chet, there are four different letters. They're all these names that have been thrown out in Talmud about who is Mashiach? Like, what's his name? What's he going to be called? And it was like, well, one school of thought said his name is going to be called Menachem because obviously Mashiach starts with a mem, you know? And it's like, no, 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 no. His name's not going to be Menachem. It's going to be... Uh, what was the sheen? I forgot the sheen. Oh, my goodness,
1: his name is
0: uh, Shiloh. oh, shot. Wow, Shiloh, man, I, I really blanked out on that one. Shiloh, that? because Moshe's that? name is the gematria for Shiloh, it's 345, and you know, you put that together, that's uh, seven plus five, which is 12, so like 12 tribes you know, Mashiach's body of many members. So the tabernacle was first set up inside the promised land before the temple was built in a place called Shiloh. So the minister of the tabernacle of Shiloh was a guy by the name of Eli, which translates to Eli, which is my God. So Shiloh, that's the sheen. They didn't really go into all that in the Talmud, but that's that just happened now. So
1: that's the a that elucidation.
0: <laughs> so we got we got Menachem, then we got Shiloh, and then it's like, no, can't be Shiloh, can't be Menachem. There's a yod in there. It's gonna be ye known. Like the sun shall shine ye known, like everlasting perpetual shine. Because Mashiach's reign will be everlasting, perpetual, because he will shine. And it's just like, okay, okay, but that's cool and everything. I mean, I know that's true, you know, but there's a chet in there. And you can't forget the chet, you know, forget the chet. Wow. Okay. Um, I did not expect to do that, so I apologize. (laughs) But the chet, they're like, Mashiach is grace. You know, okay, so this is in the Talmud, y'all, that the Mashiach is grace. And why is he grace? Because the chet in Mashiach stands for chanina. And chanina, the root of that is chin, which is grace. So they're like, is his name Anakim? Well, that, no. Is his name Shiloh? Well, that sounds cool. No. Is it Yinon? No. Is it Hanina? Uh no. The answer is yes. So there you go. Mashiach is called by many names. And even his, what we would consider his last name, but it's really not his name, it's his title. Even his title points out that he is Four expressions, you know, like the four cups from Pesach, the four, like the Dalit, you know, and his name really encapsulates his mission, who he is. Rukashim.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you for that elucidation. Show my man.
0: Bavakasha. And
1: this idea, you know, like, so Menachem, it's sourced out, it's a name of Mashiach. What, what gets me is Hashem says, It is I who is your Menachem.
0: Ooh. I am
1: your Mashiach. What is all this argument about? Mashiach can't be divine. Mashiach has to be a man. Hashem says, I am your Menachem. I am your Mashiach. Boy. Even, even more so, just elucidating this idea of Menachem, we have this idea that, I mean, this is the, talking about this idea of uh, Menachem, uh, talking about the Bible does not know a person named Menachem, son of Hezekiah. My God, it doesn't. Person. It doesn't know Menachem, son of Hezekiah, son of King Hezekiah, and you know, this is just, let's go scroll up a little bit. So from Sanhedrin 98b, which is the source, uh, Shomam was quoting, it says, His name is Menachem, son of Hezekiah, for it is written because the Comforter who should restore my life is far from me. But the Bible doesn't know Menachem, son of Hezekiah, and therefore can be viewed as the son of David. So also can be viewed as the son of David. And in other places, the same person is called Menachem ben Amiel. Or, so, for example, based on earlier sources, Ibn Ezra says that my servant, the branch, is Mashiach. And I went well in this drosh because branch in Gematria is Menachem ben Amiel. Ibn Ezra to Zechariah 3.8. And Ibn Ezra, if you don't know, he's a guy who usually seeks the literal meaning of the text. Here he seems to be intrigued that the numerical value value for branch samach is 130 38, which is the same as manachem
0: oh. 138.
1: Wow. And so you have this idea, samach, like the branch, the branch in Zechariah 3:8 is connected to manachem, which of course the branch is mashiach, and that's another name of mashiach.
0: Wow. And
1: when we talk about names of mashiach, it doesn't necessarily mean that mashiach is going to be called that explicit name. It's like a mission it's a part of his identity
0: that's right because if you know someone's name you know what their mission is
1: and so you have this idea. hashem says "Ami Menachem, Ami mashiach mashiach is related to this branch and continue on says like one jewish source teaches us more about the son of amiel uh according to a legend Zerubbabel had a prophetic vision in which he sees a stone in the shape of a beautiful woman and that is the source of like all the idol worship Ooh. And this stone gives birth to Amelius, or the, the anti-Mashiach.
0: Oh, wow.
1: And so, greatly, greatly troubled, Zerubbabel comes to the heavenly person named Mimtet and comforts him with these words.
0: <laughs> okay. I mean, if you're going to run somewhere, you might as well run to Mimtet, I'm just saying.
1: <laughs> I'm going to tab on that. and yeah. I'm continue reading. <laughs> says, Menachem ben Amiel will suddenly come on the month of Nassan, the month of Pesach, and will stand in the valley of Arbanel, around the Galilee. And all the wise men of Israel will come out to him, and all of them he will say, I am a Shiach, whom God sent to proclaim good news for you and to save you from all your enemies. And they will look at him and despise him, just as you despised him. Then his fury will burn like fire, and he will put on the garments of vengeance for clothing. And he will come to the gates of Jerusalem, and with him, Eliyahu the prophet. Then they will believe him, Menachem ben Amiel, from Atzah Hashim Zerubbabel 160. And so the comforter, as this idea, as one of the names of Mashiach, highlights Israel's inability to recognize Mashiach when he first appears.
0: Oh, and so, it's word. The idea of,
1: you know, we have an echa that we read before, the comforter who should restore my life is far from me. And I'm going to tap on that as well.
0: <laughs> so, Boy, you <laughs> opened up all these tabs already. <laughs>
1: there's just two, there's just two, two <laughs> mashiachs, two tabs.
0: Oh, wow.
1: <laughs> so the first tab was where it says, to the greatly troubled Zerubbabel comes a heavenly person named Mimtet and comforts him with these words. Mm. And that's, that's what I, the, the next part that I read about, you know, coming and Pesach and them rejecting him and Eliyahu coming with them. And that's the words Mimtet comes in with. This isn't the first time we've, we've seen Mimtet. You know? So we have this idea that Mimtet actually comes in comforts another time. And this was first brought up to, to me at our, our Echa study. Uh,
0: oh. Dropped
1: by the uh, Spot soldier. Am I saying that right? The who? The winter soldier.
0: Oh, yes. He, we do have our little uh, ghost recon don't know where he came from but tore everything up kind of guy uh i think you're referring to stav soldat so yeah uh, yeah
1: so many s's and it's you know russian sounds like so
0: (laughs) (laughs) hey it's all right man just you know i don't want to be rushing right into that so
1: Oh, well, but there's no time for Stalin, so let's keep going. Oh!
0: Okay, so go ahead.
1: So, Midrash Echa uh, relates this incident about Hashem's mourning. It says, At that time, Mimtet came and fell on his face and said before said before Hashem, Master universe, I will cry, and you should not cry. Hashem said to Mimtet, If you do not allow me to weep now... I will enter a place that you have no permission to enter, and there I will weep. As is stated, and if you do not heed this, my soul will cry in its hidden chambers because of your haughtiness.
0: Wow. Wow.
1: And then he goes on to talk about, the Holy One, blessed be he, said the minister and angels, come and I, I, we will go, I and you, and we will see what the enemies have done in my house. Mm. And so, they're talking about, of course, the distraction of the you know, Hashem refers it to his house. But we have this idea that I want to bring forth. Mimtet came and comforted this idea. He's he's coming and comfort. Um, Sarah Babel. He's comes to comfort Hashem. And I just want to propose a theory that this is the an angel who comes and comforts Yeshua in Luke 22:43.
0: Oh,
1: come on. Where he's bleeding blood. He's saying that this, this cup shall pass. Ooh. Luke 22:43. Just going to real quick.
0: Please do. uh you know, I really enjoyed that study on Tisha B'Av, yeah. and yeah. when we got to that part, it was just like, dude, we got Jewish sources. Like, blow yeah. that verse up real quick.
1: <laughs> so Forty three short verse. An angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. Uh, I think uh, there's another There's another book in the Baisor that talks about this, but what other angel than memtet would come to Divine Mashiach and? And comfort him. And I, I believe it would be Mentat based on, you know, these these parallels we've seen in other scriptures. Man. So, it's well, this idea.
0: Uh, I, I really appreciate you sharing that. That is. Woo! Love that.
1: So, and furthermore, the second tab we opened up.
0: Second tab. Engage. The second tab
1: was an echa where it says, the comforter who, who should restore my life is far from me. And so. Why is he far from us? Because we rejected him. But anyway we have Mamluez commenting on this verse, which is Echa two one, full verse is How has the Lord covered the daughter of Zion with a cloud in his anger? He cast the beauty of Israel from heaven to earth. Oh Sliqa, Slika, no there's yeah. He cast the beauty of Israel from heaven to earth and do not remember his footstool on the day of his wrath. Oh that's not the verse I meant to read. Hold oh, no. on. Technical difficulties. Stand by. All right. We're going gonna to go. We're going to roll with it. But do you want to talk about this? Okay. Um, I'm just going to go with it. I apologize for the awkwardness. Okay. So so this idea of he talks about he cast the beauty of Israel from heaven to earth and did not remember his footstool in the day of his wrath. He talks about the phrase the beauty of Israel. And so this can be interpreted in many ways. And so our sages explain that the image of our forefather, Israel, was the one engraved on the throne of Hashem. Wow. And so whenever Hashem's uh, wrath waxed uh, with the people of Israel, he would gaze at this image, and his anger subsided. So it would, in a sense, comfort him. When Hashem decided to destroy the Beit HaMikdash, the beauty of Israel, the ferret of Israel... Yaakov's image was thrown to the earth to assure that nothing would restrain
2: his fury. Mm.
1: Then we have this idea also, um, there's another Midrash which explains the beauty of Israel as in Egypt when they're working on the pyramids and, and all sorts of structures for Mitzrayim. Uh, a woman went out to help her husband make the daily quota and she was pregnant and she miscarried. And this, this little graphic you know, so just be aware, but like one of the, like she miscarried and the, the fetus, her baby was, was in a trough of cement and it formed in a brick. And what happens is just this angel just overcome with pity, brought this big brick to Hashem and says, see what has become your children? He exclaimed, looked at them and show mercy. So it says Hashem had compassion and vowed to take the Jews out of Egypt. He embedded the brick in his throne. When he looked at the brick, his mercy was aroused. When he decided to destroy the Beham Mikdash, he chose not to show compassion. He took the brick, the beauty of Israel, from his throne and cast it down from the heaven. And so I bring these ideas, you know, have this idea of the angel coming, you know, coming to Hashem. And you have Hashem bringing up this image in front of him to kind of comfort him. It's like this image is like a lens through which he sees Israel. And it helps him interpret in a merciful lens and so just a parallel here the mashiach says i i desire mercy not sacrifice and through this lens is what hashem looking at to give bane israel mercy
0: wow and,
1: and continue on and i just i was just asking a question as i read this and it says so is this why yeshua was cast in the image of man because it mentions the it mentions yakov engraved on god's throne Right. And we know the light of Mashiach that was under, under, under God's throne as recorded in like Pesquite, the And it's like he pulls up this image in front of him and he casts the ground. And so, of course, he casts it, says it casts it to like the dust was thrown into the earth,
0: which is where the dust is, where witches man was, uh, formed from. Right. From the dust
1: of the earth. And so I'm just curious if this, is this why Yeshua, You know, this is why this divine Mashiach, the word of Hashem, had to be cast into the ground, you know, because he was he was the image that was, you know, essentially destructed for us. Wow. And so if so, then him returning to the father would bring mercy. Oh. So if you have this idea, he's cast, he's like Yaakov's image cast into the cast into the ground, cast into the dust of earth. Formed in the image of man, why to bring destruction and then rising, you know, rising after his destruction and Mashiach bin David, and then bring, he says, I have to ascend back to the Father. Why to, to look at us through a merciful lens so that the, the redemption will come and it will be the last, it will be the final redemption. Wow. wow. I think this is further, this image is further brought by the other midrash. I believe they're both pictures of Yeshua's of Yeshua's, Yeshua's work that he did and his mission.
0: Believe it.
1: And so we have this idea, you know, this idea of compassion, of, com- of comfort. Uh, nachamu, nachamu, be comforted, be comforted, Israel, right? Mm-hmm. So you have this idea of this noon, the fallen one, right? We, we, in reference to like the, the fetus, like the miscarried one, it's kind of like a miscarried one is like, like fallen. It's fallen from its mother. So it's like the fallen one. Which is like Nephilim, like, like the fallen one starts with a noon. And so we have this idea, this, this, this fetus, this fallen one that's cemented in a brick of idolatry, of Mitzrayim, kind of like Yaakov, who is young and he was sent into Mitzrayim and now he's cloaked in Mitzrayim as an Egyptian. And this is what's brought to Hashem for us to see like mercy. And then it mentions that he places this brick. He embeds this brick into his throne, which is made out of sapphire, like the sapphire tablets. And so, you know, you have this, you have this idea of Mashiach within the sapphire tablets Come on. as this this fallen one. And of course, we mentioned earlier noon, like for the fallen one, the flame, the idea of David, because it's the fourteenth letter corresponding to the gematria of David. Come on. And so this is what's brought before Hashem. Like, so you have this fallen one, this idea of, of, of death, falling into the world, death being cloaked in Mitzrayim, being cloaked in the enemy of the exile, and then being restored to Hashem, being placed in the throne where you're supposed to, where your your rightful place was to begin with.
0: Okay, so tag, I don't, I don't even know how I'm tagging right now. But first of all, I just want to say that I think you hacked my AI over here because I was going to tag in, even though I didn't want to, which is probably why this happened. And I was going to share the whole thing about the novel, the miscarried one, and you shared all of it. (laughs) So so I was just like, "Ah, no, okay, he's he's got it.
1: I um, mean, you can go ahead, but, go ahead and clarify that and it
0: if you want. No, you no, want. no. You, you, did, you did your thing on that one. You literally, you read out exactly what I was going to say. Like, I, I, you were probably one or two words different, but, I mean, it was the same thing, you know? Mm-hmm. But I just wanted to say that this link here from when the brick is thrown down to the dust that little connection for getting back to the throne and that being what hashem looking up looks upon his mercy can you just go back over that little section because it's like the baby was miscarried into the brick it's cemented and then it went it was taken up it was placed in the throne and then hashem was wrathful because of everything that was going on cast it down and then what happens
1: it says he was embedded this this baby was embedded into a brick this fallen one embedded in the brick and then hashem placed it he embedded this brick in his throne and whenever he looked at the
0: brick his mercy was aroused got it and whenever he destroyed to destroy the
1: temple he took the brick this beauty of israel from his throne and cast it down from the heaven. So that's the whole this whole idea. And so for him to rise mercy, this brick has to rise back up to him.
0: There it is.
1: And so this is like the whole idea of um, Tishba'av, as I pointed out, in like rabbis rabbis Josh Tuba'av and Tishba'av. And I'll, I'll, I'll tab on that. I think you're about to say something, though.
0: Right. Uh, so that's kind of where I'm going with it is that you have the picture of the resurrection to restore us unto a greater glory, a greater esteem, which is why we would all have to be found in Mashiach. The whole sections from the different uh, selections of the letters that talk about how there's the one new man that talks about how there's no Jew, no Gentile. No male, no female, but all are in Mashiach. We're talking about this brick with the face in it. And basically, when you think about the times, especially in Parsha Ketisa, when Hashem tells Moshe, I'm about to wipe them out, I'm about to start over with you, and we're going to go forward. Technically, with what we're talking about, that happens through Messiah Yeshua, but The reason I say technically is because this was predestined before the foundations of the earth, that through Mashiach Yeshua, we would be already made into that one new man and we would already be resurrected and brought back up and embedded and embedded into his throne. Mm -hmm. But you brought this down back in one of the Haftarot that we did. And I feel like it was the one for Yirmiyahu about how the temple needed to be destroyed because it was going to re-energize the people, revitalize, I think is what you used. Yes. And when you think about that revitalization process, that is the whole act of recreating man from the dust of the Temple Mount, just like he did with Adam, so he does with the second Adam. From the dust of the Temple Mount, He rebuilds the new man. And so what you shared, especially with those Sapphire tablets, the Sapphire tablets had to be shattered. They had to be thrown down to the dust so that they could be reformed and made into the new man. And ultimately to point to when Mashiach Yeshua resurrects like he did, that was the point that we regained the Sapphire tablets. Because remember that when we, again, Parshaki when we got the second set of tablets, it was a type and shadow of the resurrection that was to come, but on a lesser level, because it was still made from parts of the earth, parts of creation. So through Mashiach, when he's resurrected, He's not resurrected from parts of creation. He's resurrected directly from Hashemayim exactly like the first set of tablets. And so mm-hmm. literally as his body is raised, that's why he has a spiritual body, you know, and, and so, and the same thing going to go for us, by the way, you know, like this, which is perishable is like a seed. It's going to be put into the ground, but what comes out of the ground is actually not the seed. It's what comes out of the seed. You know, uh, Shaul obviously put it a lot better than what I just shared. But when you think about what actually grows from a seed, it's the seed breaks open and it dies. That goes away. It's the shell. But what comes out of the seed, that's something completely different. And, and that's that's the whole, like, this is such a huge monumental like you just picked up a whole mountain and just threw it. You know? And it's just like Haziz, you just went to a whole nother level with that. That's so amazing. You need to give that a title and just like just teach it, you know? Man, get you some. Literally get you some.
1: So thank you, thank you for elucidating elucidating and going into that whole uh that whole idea. That's incredible.
0: Well, thank you for running with it.
1: <laughs> we talked about, talked about before, and and just like bringing out this this big picture for people to grasp. So I, I appreciate that.
0: Amen.
1: Oh, so um, I I found I found the verse I was looking for. It was from Echa one sixteen.
0: Ooh.
1: It says for these I weep, my eye, my eye runs with water because a comforter to restore my soul is far from me. My children have become desolate because the enemy has prevailed. And so Mamloas comments, a comforter, i.e. the Mashiach, is far from me. In the temple, the relationship between God and Israel was open and manifest, a bond which will be restored with the coming of Mashiach. And goes on to talk about, as mentioned above, comforter. The comforter referred to in the verse is the Mashiach. Though the Mashiach was born on Tishba'av, he is now hidden and far from us. For almost 2,000 years, we have languished in exile. And so...
0: They have that in there? Oh, snap. Because, you know, that really points to snap. the fact that the temple destroyed and the the crucifixion and resurrection of Mashiach, like, they're making those two things become one when they share that. So,
1: true. <laughs> and I like it. It's just, it goes to point out, you have this idea... Um, if anyone's listening and haven't checked out Rabbi's on Tishba'av and Tuba'av, just really check it out. He elucidates the whole idea of how the Pesach, the Pesach corresponds to Tuba'av and Tishba'av. And so we have this idea that says the Mashiach was born on Tishba'av, right? And so it's like, which Mashiach?
0: Which and Rabbi
1: one? Griffin has pointed out, you know, like Tishba'av corresponds to the, the day of Pesach, you know, around the the time Mashiach would have died, which Hmm. is also around the time he would have rose, you know, three days later.
0: Wow. So,
1: the Mashiach who was born on Tishba'av, he he goes on to say, is Mashiach Ben-David. So, Yosef Yosef died, Pesach, the corresponding to the spiritual illusion of Tishba'av, Mashiach Ben-David, rose at that moment.
0: Wow. Well, Bergeshem... And to quick tag on to your Luke twenty two forty three drop with the angel, Memtet, mm-hmm. there's, there's a similar phrase used in the Akida for the angel from Hashemayim. And so we know that in Bereshit 22, in the Akedah, that that angel that's speaking is Memtet, it is Hashem and here in luke twenty 43 i'm not quoting from the dalich which i think the dalich would be even more cool but this is a translation of the Basora and the the writings of the brit hadashah that uh directly translates it into hebrew and in twenty two forty three, it does say that um vayar elav Malak mean, Hashemayim, Vai, Chazkehu. And it uses the word for the angel from heaven, like Vayar, like, and appeared, like Vayera, which we remember that parsha when Abraham sitting in the entrance of his tent. Vayera was when Hashem appeared to him. That was Hashem and his two Malachim. And then you have, uh, after that, you have Malach mean Hashemayim, and the angel from Bereshit twenty-two in the Akeda was speaking from Shemaim. and then you have this word for strengthening, which is Chazak, and then it uses like, so he strengthened him. So, like a uh, Hiskiyahu, like a uh, uh, like a uh, Ezekiel, like Yehezekiel. And then um, you kind of have like a Hezekiah type uh, flavor to it as well because Hezekiah is also hiskiyahu and then Ezekiel is Yez- Yehezekel. So you got similar roots there. And remember how we were talking about the uh, the remes, the allusions to Mashiach was Hezekiah, even though he himself isn't the Mashiach. When whenever the Chazal talk about Hezkiah or Hezekiah, they they basically paint this picture about Mashiach, but it's like that's a remez, so Baruch Hashem. But you can see it in the Hebrew of that verse. So I would definitely say if you if you source it out and just kind of look at some of the context and overlay everything, you do get a really nice little picture that. Mem tech comes to comfort Hashem. I mean, Sleekah. I mean, Hashem. I mean, what?
1: Yeshua, you mean, you know, Zerubbabel. You mean, Yeah. yeah. is the same Mashiach. And we pointed out earlier that, you know, Menachem, you know, this whole idea, Menachem is Hashem, which is, I am I am your Menachem.
0: Come on. So. You know,
1: Menachem, we quoted from different sources of how Menachem is always related to Mashiach and how Hashem says, I am your Menachem. I am your comforter.
0: Yep. So that's awkward if we don't think that Mashiach and Hashem are one. So, but we, it's not awkward for us because we don't uh, have any uh, disagreement on that. That, you know, Mashiach belongs to Hashem and he's his right hand. He is the extension of Hashem, manifestation of Hashem. Mashiach and Hashem are one. So there's that. Well, uh, we're approaching the 90-minute mark, which is like, where did the time go? (laughs) Yeah. But uh, I think it would be wonderful if we could give this a a break here and then go ahead and make our next little segment to kind of go into our next topic. Um, You mean
1: mean verse
0: one? Yes. To actually... Yes, to actually get into the haftura, like, if we could go ahead and make that a separate thing. All right, let's do it. All right, so, everybody, we're way overdue for going to a quick break, but we're going to do it. So, stand by, and we'll be right back. All right, and we're back. How you doing over there, Hasis? Excellent.
1: Ready to get in the, the first chapter of this Haftara.
0: All right. That, you know, it's so crazy and epic it's like 90 minutes of introduction coming at you <laughs>
1: <laughs> flying at you no.
0: yeah right literally <laughs> that was beautiful all right. all right so where are we going
1: so uh we we mentioned this idea of a bringing the image of Yaakov before him as the idea of like showing mercy to you know, israel it's interesting and i, I mentioned that just keep that on on tab away.
0: Okay, Sleek, uh, I gotta do it. Okay, what you got? I I mean, I should have brought this up in our introduction, but just um, I was list I was going through G Shekels' commentary on this week's tour portion, and you know he quotes the uh, Zohar like like that's okay to do, and he dropped this about uh, Yaakov and the Shema and the divine name of Hashem. Let me go to that real quick. Um, let's see here because he was recapping. I mean, go where, where are we at? Okay. Here it is. Okay. So it says that at the time, just before his death, when his sons were brought together before him, Yaakov planned to reveal to them the time when Mashiach's return would happen. And so it's talking about that whole thing. And in the middle of that, it says the Zohar teaches Yaakov through his righteousness brought about a unification of the name of Hashem, one that will be permanently accomplished by the Mashiach. So, the unification that was brought through Yaakov is what ultimately is going to be the unification of Hashem's name, i.e., the Elenu, with Mashiach ben David.
1: Wow. Can you repeat that last part, please?
0: So, basically, Yaakov, when he's during this time frame at the end of his life, and it's talking about him. Talking to his sons, and it's, it's the whole unification of Hashem's name. Because, by the way, this is the picture of the Shema, this is one of the many pictures. And so, the sons are saying Shema Yisrael, which they're talking to Yaakov, because Yisrael is his name. And during that whole context, it says the Zohar teaches that Yaakov, through his righteousness, brought about a unification of the name of Hashem, one that will be. Permanently accomplished by the Mashiach. And so I was basically saying that the unification of Hashem's name that Yaakov brought about through his righteousness is the unification of Hashem's name that will be permanent with the arrival of Mashiach Ben David. I I just did. I didn't know what to do with myself after I read that because I was just like G-shuckle. You can't just be dropping Zohar on people like that.
1: I was gonna save this this idea for later on, but you know I think it was meant for such time as this.
0: Oh, we gotta mow it.
1: Because <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned this this Shema yes. that Yaakov's children say to him, unifying the name of Hashem. Uh, can you can you listen to like how like the, the connection to Mashiach? Mashiach connects the whole idea of the unity of Hashem, correct?
0: That's correct.
1: The Shema is all about the unity of Hashem, and Mashiach is the only one who connects uh, like Hashem's name and and us to Him. And so there's this verse in this half Torah. Since we're, we're trying to be in verse 1, and now we're going to <laughs> verse 26. Oh my, you know, because,
0: 26.
1: Because, yeah, the very end of our, yeah. Oh,
0: I yeah, wow. divine name, yeah.
1: So I was thinking because it's the last verse of a half Torah. I guess that's fitting. Uh-huh. So we're, start, we're starting with the olive. Now we're going to the top.
0: Uh, it's like
1: the Gavachia of Yeshua, whose name. So.
0: Oh, first shall be last. I guess It's
1: fitting. It's fitting.
0: It and is.
1: First. And last will be first. So before we begin, verse one, we're going to be, begin with verse 26. Cool. It says, lift your eyes to the heights and consider who created these stars and who brings out their hosts daily by number. He calls them all by name because of his great power and strength. Not one of them is missing as long as the world exists. For he has created them from the beginning to give
0: light. Uh, I knew it. I knew it. I knew you are going to do it. All I got to say to you, them. all I got to say is get them. Oh. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. So the verse, lift your eyes Lift your eyes. Yes. If you take the first letter of each one of those words, shu, marom, and ne, and nechem, lift your eyes. Yes. It spells out shin, mim, ayin, shema.
2: Ooh!
1: Snap. And then it goes on to say, mi Varach Ali. and it says, who created these? Mm-hmm. And so it's a question. So when we look up to the diverse phenomenon of the universe, at the ali, eleh, we tend to be confused. We say, mi bara eleh. Who created these? And the answer is, Ahad. Because when we look up to the heights, when we, when our, when we lift our eyes, as the initial is of shema, so the ending of it, the answer is, shema, shema Israel, and ends with, Shin achad. And so the answer is, achad. They all come from one source. They all come from a shim.
0: Boy, get some help, and I'm very proud of you. That was beautiful.
1: <laughs> so it's another, it's another link uh, to that. It's, it's, it's another link to our our tour Porsche because the tour Porsche contains the shema. And
0: there you, so, there you go. Being that Japanese ninja swordsman I was talking about.
1: Uh, I was, I was just thinking, as you know. Like a, a a child who just connects the dots on those little things.
0: You know, oh not, wow! Not, not, like, <laughs> I love those books too.
1: Yeah, but I, I appreciate you know the elevated status <laughs> <laughs> of a samurai as opposed to a child connecting dots. <laughs> hey,
0: you can be a child samurai. I mean, that'd be oh, really okay. dangerous.
1: <laughs> i I'm not, I'm not
0: <laughs> uh, no, it's fine. No, oh, uh, okay. So. All right.
1: You got you got anything to to say? Or are we going back to Aleph?
0: Yeah, we might as well go back to Aleph because right. it was dangerous over here today. So,
1: so we have Nachamu, Nachamu Emi Yamal Elohechem It says, Be comforted, be comforted my nation, your God will say. This is how our half tour starts off. So we wonder why it's a half tour of comfort and consolation. Now it's pretty clear. <laughs> so, Nachamu, uh, Nachamu and what's interesting, it starts with a noon. And we mentioned this idea of the of noon as Nefli, the fallen one. And, you know, comparing to like the, the baby who was miscarried, who was placed in the brick and embedded in Hashem's throne of sapphire. Also, we were connecting that to Yaakov. And oh. so we had this idea of Nephilim, like the fallen one, right? The baby. Right. right. But how, how can we connect that to Yaakov? Well, what's interesting is he doesn't just say Nachamu. He says Nachamu Nachamu. He repeats it twice. Mm. And what's interesting is uh, the Midrash Va in Parsha relates that every letter the, of the five letters that have a final form—they're repeated twice. It alludes to a specific person.
0: Uh oh.
1: The Noon just happens to be guess which one of the Avot.
0: Yaakov. yakko
1: so in saying, be comforted, be comforted, there's a hint that it's Yaakov. There's a hint that the, the image of Yaakov, the image of Nefilim, the fallen one, will be brought before his eyes once more, and Hashem will judge Israel in a merciful way. Wow. But before we talked about, you know, salvation is a process, because I'll say salvation is a process, and before he's brought to the eyes, before Mashiach the, Ben David ascends to the Father, He has to be cast down to the dust and the image of man, because man was made from the dust, right? And he has to be the fallen one, the one who takes upon our sins and our iniquities and drinks from the cup of God's wrath. So I'm going to tab on that drinking of the cup.
0: Oh, I see what you did there. there. Tab with the drink. All right.
1: Oh, wow, man. I'm unintentional pun, but thank you for bringing that out for the audience. Hey,
0: bar none. This is amazing. (laughs)
1: So, and furthermore, there's all this question about why is this repeated? Why is this this expression of double comfort, double nachamu, nachamu, nachamu? And also, if you actually look at the the letters, comfort, it says be comforted. It has the same letters missing the final mim of
0: Menachem. Yes.
1: So this, that's why we've been impressed it with the idea of menachem and comfort. And so there's an the illusion that it's more than just Yaakov. It's more than just this fallen thing. There's this hint of Mashiach. And actually what the Midrash Haftor brings out is that double expression of Nahama, uh, Nahamu. Excuse me. Um, it has to do with the arrival of the Prophet Eliyahu. It says, comfort my people with the arrival of the Prophet Eliyahu and comfort them with the arrival of Mashiach. Mm. So one Nachamu is Eliyahu, one Nachamu is Mashiach. Mm. And so you have this idea of Menachem, like the idea of comfort, is Mashiach, is a shim. And this whole thing related to the Midrash Haftor is the expression Nachamu relates to Eliyahu, the comfort of Eliyahu, who heralds the good news, and Mashiach.
0: Quick tag. All right. Just wanted to point out that you know, outside looking in, sometimes people think that the Yehudim worship Eliyahu. It's literally taught at some churches. Not cool. Wow. And I was even questioned, you know, by my mother about that. And she's just like, I'm sure they don't worship uh, Elijah, but I'm going to ask my son because, you know, he's Jewish. And so. Okay, so wait, Go to the forest. Yeah, right. So, so Baruch Hashem on that. And um, I was letting her know, like, the beautiful thing about Havdalah. And it's just like, what's a Havdalah? It's like, okay, so we'll talk about that in a second. But, (laughs) you know, but it's just kind of like, when we come right out of the Shabbat, and we start singing, Eli Eliyahu Hanavi, Eli Eliyahu Hagiladi, you know, and we're like,
2: the showman turn up version?
0: That's, uh, well, it's actually a Moshav, but I think I might, oh. I think I might have to like, you know, step on there a little bit because, you know, it's such a, such well no, done.
1: I'd subscribe to that. I'd subscribe to that. I'd so, you know.
0: so with the help of a Hashem, I will write some lyrics to that because, you know, we can do music now. Yeah, we can. <laughs> I don't know how many times I've been saying that all week. I'm like, oh, we can listen to this. But. Um when, when we're saying Eliyahu and singing that in our brakot for Havdalah after we're entering into the week after we've said Hine El Yeshua Ti. so we've taken our Nakamu and connected it to our Nakamu when we do Havdalah, if you really think about that. Because the first part of our Havdalah, Hine El Yeshuati, going right into Eliyahu, like right after we say Hamadil Ben Kodesh Lako, I mean, it's like knowing that When we see Eliyahu when he comes Mashiach will be there because he's gonna herald the coming of our king So of course we're gonna be looking for Eliyahu. Of course We're gonna get excited when we hear about Eliyahu when we see Eliyahu because we know Mashiach is right there he will be heralding his coming. So like Eliyahu, and then it's like, oh, look behind Eliyahu, there's Mashiach. Wow.
1: (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, I didn't even know that that was the uh, idea running around in the the church world.
0: Yeah, best rider Shem, it's not all of the church world, but hopefully uh, we've taken out a little bit chunk of uh, improper uh, perspectives. All right, so keep going. I apologize. Just wanted to bring that up because I got really excited when you said that.
1: No, what you, what you're doing right there is living Torah, right? The idea of Torah as you know, we we talk, you're imitating Hashem because we 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 talk about Hashem being as the idea of a shield, and you know, we come under the shelter of His wings, and so the idea of sheltering people from false theologies that would damage that would damage them and damage their relationship with Hashem. Like I'm all for that, you know. Take um, as many swerves you need for that point as, as, as needed.
0: I mean, that's what we're Avengers for. So, tell that about That's the idea.
1: That's the idea that's half for us. So, I can't come against you for that. This idea of comfort, mm. right? Yes. Because once you, you come into truth, the truth will set you free. Ooh. And where there is freedom, there is comfort.
0: Freedom. Oh, freedom. So, okay. Well, I won't be singing so, all night, but keep going. <laughs>
1: Sheer. Prophesy. (laughs) So, anyway, so we have this idea of comfort, comfort, comfort. And what's interesting is Yeshua HaMashiach begins his drosh with this idea of comfort. We have in Matthew 5, usually referred to in uh, Christian linguistics as... I believe the the nine benedictions,
0: that or the beatitudes, the or attitude. the be at something,
1: <laughs> be at somewhere besides Christianity, aka Judaism.
0: <laughs> Convert now. <laughs>
1: Convert now. That's essentially what Yeshua was saying. That's the the Cliff Notes version.
0: Yeah, <laughs> but,
1: but he 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 has this idea is you know, it goes on talking about saying he saw the crowd of people. He ascended on the mountain and sat there. And as Talmudim approached him, he opened his mouth and taught them saying, Of oh, the gladness of the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Oh, the gladness for those who mourn for they
0: will be comforted. Oh, and it's the
1: same word used here Dude, him, uh, which is you know what how the Dulish gospels translate it so there we go Ooh. oh for the gladness of the humble for they will inherit the earth oh, for the gladness of those who hunger and search for righteousness thirst for light righteousness for they will be satisfied oh the gladness of the compassionate for they will be shown compassion oh the gladness of the pure in heart for they will behold god oh the gladness of those who pursue shalom for they will be called sons of god Oh, the gladness of those who pursue, who are pursued on account of righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom. Wow. Oh, your gladness if they insult you and pursue you, falsely speaking, all kinds of evil about you for my sake. Be happy and rejoice, because your reward in heaven is great. For so they pursued the prophets who were before you, as we mentioned. You. Yep. And so you think about this is just, he brings on every aspect, people's struggles, the poor in spirit, those who mourn. The, the humble who are trampled on because of their humility. The ones who they, they see jest in the world, they hunger for righteousness, but it's never quite satisfied within them. Mm. You know, all the compassionate people of pity on people and the deep empathy. And he goes on and goes on and goes on. These people are in a state of turmoil because they, they see the injustice in the world or they see the pains within people. And what he says, he says, there's blessing in the end. He's looking, he's telling them about the redemption to come, the redemption that he will soon bring. And he's giving them words of comfort. Yes. And so I think it's fitting, this half Torah begins with words of comfort, be comforted, be comforted. And this is the first draft that Mashiach gives. Furthermore, he goes on to talk about, not quoted enough, Do not Matthew five seventeen. Do not imagine that I have come to violate the Torah or the words of the prophets. I have not Whoa. come to violate, but to fulfill. For men, I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one yo, the one thorn will pass away from the Torah until all has been established. Mm, mm, Therefore, mm. the man who violates one of these small mitzvahs and teaches sons of men to do like, we be called small and the Makut HaShemayim, the King of Heaven. But whoever does and teaches them will be called great in the Makut HaShemayim. For I say to you, if your righteousness does not, is not greater than the, the righteousness of the scholars and the Pharisees, you will not enter into the Makut HaShemayim. Wow. And so, right here, yes, he just said the Pharisees and the scribes, like the scholars, were righteous. So there's that. Yes, he did say yeah. <laughs> the law, not done away with it, won't be done away with. And he didn't came to violate that or do away with it before or after his death. So those aside, what he's saying is I think it's this aspect of comfort. If you think about it, if you think about a, uh, a God who has a certain standard, like Torah, and then he just changes that after one incident, that's not comfortable to me. Because if I was in a religion like that, aka you know christianity or islam or anything of the sort if i was in a religion like that you know what's to stop me from thinking oh well he might change the law last moment for me and i'm not going to be saved and i'm not going to be with him and this this and that so Mm. yeshua's saying that these these words like the the torah is not going to pass away he didn't come to violate it what he's giving them he's giving them as a source of comfort of saying you know the eternity of the torah God's standard doesn't change, and we should be comforted by that. Like, his standard is consistent, he is consistent, and he's coming to redeem his people. He's coming to comfort his people.
0: Tag, whenever you're done.
1: All right. Um, and then this idea of Yeshua comforting Israel before he and the Beit Mikvist was destroyed. It goes and talks about, like, near his death, he, he talks about that, you know, he's going to send the comforter, the Real HaKodesh. Oh um, that goodness. he's with you to the end of the age. He's with us till the end of the age, I should say. Oh. And so, just this idea, I just want to just make a parallel between the beginning of this half tour of Comfort and the beginning of Mashiach's, his mission. So, go ahead. Go ahead.
0: Selah. Say Selah. Say some more Selah. Do you realize what you just shared? I mean, you... I'm just
1: reading. I'm just reading.
0: You're just... You typed and shadowed all over the place. Because what what we read about Yosef, when he was released on Rosh Hashanah, he brought comfort to Pero, you know, and Mitzrayim. Because Pero was having all these weird dreams and he was so like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going to happen. He's like freaking out. Nobody in his kingdom or the world, so to speak, because Mitzrayim represented the world. So... By default extension, Yosef brought comfort to the world because when he was released from prison, that was his first thing. He brought comfort to the world and Mashiach, his first thing, like you beautifully shared comfort. And, mm-hmm. and now we're talking in this par after Tisha B'Av headed into Rosh Hashanah, the beginning of seven weeks of comfort. The first thing is comfort. And so, that in and of itself just blew me away. But I want to go back to what you shared about it's not comforting that God would have a standard later to change it because I don't think a lot of thoughts and perspective is brought on that understanding because to to simply say that the Torah is done away with. The Torah is null null and void. It's not valid. It's trampling grace underfoot. Like all of those connotations, besides being blasphemous, are very, very uh, misconstrued because Christianity was nowhere to be found until after letters and basoras were even in print. So Christianity doesn't even have roots and connections to Hashem, quote unquote, before he changed his standard. They don't even have connections to Hashem when he gave his standard. So that's coming in way late in the game. So hear me out, church, that you are kind of coming in like after the movie ended, so to speak. And trying to participate in events and things like you were a part of the movie. So I'm trying to be very gentle, but I can't help it that the church started completely afterwards and it did not start with any sort of base in understanding covenant and being a part of Yisrael, um, doing conversions, getting a rabbi being established in a shul, you know, studying the Torah portions. Okay. So like none of that is like the standard. And then second of all, for Hashem to have his standard, his standard is his self. So, you know, I wrote myself down and gave it to you. That's the Torah. So if Torah is null and void, then you're saying you have no God. You further, Furthermore, you're saying Hashem is not even God at that point because you're attacking parts of his body. You're attacking his name. You're attacking his essence. Namely, you're removing the Mashiach. So if you have no Torah, you don't even have a Mashiach. Begs the question, who then are you placing your faith in? And then you keep going and it's just like this really terrible spiral of unfortunate circumstances if you don't have a Torah, if you don't have a standard. And so I just want to encourage every one of us to make sure that we thoroughly understand a proper perspective of the standard of Hashem. It will endure like it's not going anywhere. And we are truly able to have comfort with that because everything else will fall away. Everything else will be melted in the fire, you know, because the Torah, when when Mashiach returns, the fire of the Torah is going to consume all of creation. And this is the, this is what Shaul was alluding to in Corinthians when he was saying, everything will be proved and tested in the day of the fire, you know, and it's just like, what remains is of Hashem. And what doesn't, well, we know what happened. So... Well. I just would encourage us all to truly take comfort in, in, in Mashiach Yeshua, and the God of Israel, convert and and walk Torah, live Torah, you know, uh, express Torah with your life. You know, ultimately, we're each supposed to be a letter of the Torah scroll. So if you think about that, I mean, that's, that's another thing, <laughs> you know, you have no Torah, you have no existence. So then that'd be awkward. But you know, let's take some comfort, get the right perspective, and, and thoroughly walk that out. So, end of my tag.
1: Wow. So, everything you said, amazing. I agree, tag.
0: All right. <laughs>
1: I'm just thinking you said we're we're each. There's a lot of things that I'm just processing in my mind the whole idea I love that you, you, you compared like you made this connection between you know Hashem he's our standard and you know NLK I wrote myself down on the Torah and I gave it to you yes. so if we're following Torah it's like we're, we're following Hashem we're following oh, his standard man. like he is our standard and then you brought down this idea that we're each supposed to be a letter of the Torah school what is the only language a Torah school is written in
0: hmm Wow.
1: So, there's no English, you know, Chinese or Russian or, you know, any other language that's put in a Torah scroll. Yeah, it can be translated in different, like, Bible, if you will, but a Torah scroll, kosher Torah scroll, is written in read, is written in Hebrew.
2: Wow. So if
1: we're representing those letters in a Torah scroll, we have to make a conversion from our past lives our new life who's, who are actually in covenant as opposed to Gentiles, those out of covenant.
0: Mm. Oh, man. So that
1: whole idea, you know, and then and then we have this idea of being inscribed in the book of life.
0: Oh snap.
1: And so being inscribed in the book of life is that is that Hashem, you know, writing the Torah with each letter of, of us who've who've made made a commitment to to change our old ways and be conformed know be transformed by the renewing of our minds if you will into into his torah
0: because the torah is called the tree of life yeah the book of life torah yeah okay i'm football <laughs> tackling you when i see you
1: and then as as rabbi griffin pointed out the whole idea of the torah it's 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 like the the, the skin of a, a kosher animal it's engraved with thorns you know and you know like it like the whole it's like put on a, a pole, if you will, like the two beams that hold it.
0: Yep.
1: Oh, saying, you know, Mashiach, who is like this, this lamb of God who is slain, who the crown of thorns was placed on him. The whole body of Mashiach inscribed in are you in the body of Mashiach, the, the picture that's coming out in my head, and inscribed in the book of life.
0: So if you look uh, at Nakamu nakamu because I'm just thinking about the, the two poles you brought up. And what would be suspended in the middle of that? I'm seeing, if you take Nakamu Nakamu, the, there are two letters in the front, there are two letters at the end, so you have Nun Chet, and then you have Mem Vav, when you put them two together. So you got Nakamu there. But in the middle, you have Mem Vav Nun Chet. Now, isn't that uh, Menucha? Like rest, because I'm just thinking about entering into my rest, you know when you're comforted, you're resting, yeah, and the Torah rests between the two poles when you hold it up, vita torah,
1: oh wow,
0: I'm on double check myself, but uh, I just saw that, and I just thought about it, so
1: yeah I'm, I believe you're right, like it'd be cool just to do a whole word search um
0: uh, yeah, about, word. about that. So. I just did.
1: <laughs> okay, what you got?
0: It's also Manoak, the father of Shemshon. Oh, okay. And we learned about Manoak. Absolutely ridiculous. But it does mean a resting place, a state or condition of rest. First use. There was no resting place for the foot of the dove. Uh, Noak. Sent out. Now, wow. you think about that. The significance of the temple being likened to a bird's nest, and Mashiach being likened to a dove. The place where the foot of the dove is going to rest would be in the temple. Well, the temple's destroyed, so the the he has no place to rest. But the temple's being rebuilt by living stones, and his feet. We'll be able to rest, you know, on these living stones. And he literally does rest within us through the Ruach HaKodesh, you know, and how each of us are called temples, you know, we're living temples. So just thought about that with the Torah scroll, how we convert, you know, we're, we're just becoming a part of the whole uh-oh. Stand by. We are having technical difficulties because it's getting elevated over here. Okay, are you there? Yep, I'm here. Okay, the I got... The last
1: thing you're talking about, but, uh, you're connect with the Torah, and that's the idea of like the dove was like the first
0: use. Okay, sweet. So I was just basically tying that back to just looking at the Torah scroll and how in order to be a part of the Torah scroll, we have to convert... You know, be a Hebrew letter, you know, and and things like that. Wow.
1: So, you still there? Yes, I'm here. So, you were saying a whole bunch of amazing things, <laughs> and one thing that really stuck out that you said the first use was like the dove had no place to like lay its like I'm sorry, lay, um, the no soul,
0: the, the sole of its foot,
1: the sole of its foot. Yeah. And I mean, you, you, you did mention you did mention this, but just like the whole verse of, of Mashiach saying, you know, but the, you know, I, I believe he says that the son of man has no place to lay its head.
0: That's correct.
1: Like, as a reference to, the son of man references
0: Hashem, correct? Correct. And so you have,
1: like, a, like you said, you know, the, we're coming from this time of, uh, we just read Echa, Tishvaah, the destruction of the temple. Hashem had no place to to rest his head. With the destruction of the temple, it was his house. Mm. You know, and just just elucidating uh, the, these amazing concepts you're bringing down. So, when Yeshua says that the Son of Man has no place to get, lay his head, he's essentially saying, you know, I'm the divine Mashiach, right? The Son of Man, like the like the dove, I have no place to lay my head. So he's just saying, I'm I'm Mashiach, and Yosef, I'm the one who's meant to be destroyed. Wow. And he's taken back this whole idea of rest, like the dove had found no place to rest. Well, dove, Yonah, is like a name of, it's like a name of Mashiach. So it is known that Yonah, son of Amatai, is Mashiach, son of Ephraim, Yosef, Bnei Issachar, Tishrei 10, 28.
2: Hmm.
1: And what it's, it's interesting is the Zohar talks about uh, how the sages, did not speak about or recognize or know that that known dove it's from Pirush Hisulam. Um and so without mentioning specifically the Zohar sees like this great significance in the fact that this dove or turtle dove is the only kind of bird permitted for sacrifice. Wow. So the sages they talk about, you know, they did not speak about or the sages did not know did not speak about or recognize the known dove, which is Mashiach ben Yosef. And also, we know from, from the Torah and the laws of sacrifice, that the, the dove and the Torah dove is the only bird fitted for sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Yeshua, as a manifestation of Hashem, you know, when he says, I have know the Son of Man has no place to lay his head, he's essentially saying, I'm Mashiach ben Yosef, and, you know, like I'm I'm the dove that has no place to lay its head and like I'm the one fit for sacrifice. Oh. And so this is why they went when when went away like this whole disheartened like they didn't they ended up not following him.
0: Yeah, cuz they don't want yeah, to destroy because, temple.
1: <laughs> because they want Meshach David. They want this this final redemption because they weren't willing to suffer with him. Oh. They were they were wanting to go in exile with him. Even though he was willing to go into exile with us, so it says that the Shekinah oh. accompanies us in exile. Why to comfort us?
0: Wow. So when you lay your head down, like, isn't there like this thing where you're out your hand and kind of put your hand on your head, your hand underneath your head? Like, you know, how if you lay on your side or something like that, or... If if you kind of lay back and you're, like, all relaxed and you put your hand under your head. So... What do you think of that? Well, I was just finishing out the connection of the dove having no place to rest the sole of her foot. Because the word for sole of the foot comes from the word cough. Literally, like, the letter cough, but, like, the word is also cough. Like, cough pay. And it says... That it's the hollow or flat of the hand. So we're talking about the foot here, but it also alludes to the palm of the hand. And so if Mashiach can't lay his head down, you know, anywhere, like using the, the palm of his hand, flattening out his hand to lay down like he has no place to rest. I mean, that's our whole picture here. Wow. In between the the Nakamu. So you got you got Grace on one side, and then you got Mem and Bob on the other side. Wow, man!
2: <laughs> <laughs> so
0: it's wow. crazy over here. <laughs> well, please I do guess. continue. That definitely is a Salai <laughs> moment, but Selah, yeah, for sure.
1: <laughs> so we have this idea of comfort still in verse one.
0: Oh, <laughs> still
1: in verse one, Brooks.
0: <laughs> oh, man. And
1: so, continue on with this idea of comfort, comfort my people. Uh, ask the question, to whom did Hashem issue this command? He gave it to the prophets of Yeshia, time to tell it to their generation. After the Jews heard the evil news that Beham Mifthash was going to be destroyed and the nation exiled by the Babylonians, Hashem wanted the prophet to comfort them with assurances that their exile would come to an end. Yet this prophecy also clearly refers to future redemption uh, in Mashiach's time, and mm-hmm. so, like we talked about earlier, this whole thing is encapsulated within the nair, within the lamp, which is illusion, which is the name of Mashiach, right? Which is the light of the world. And it goes on to talk, talk about like these two, two ideas of comfort also allude to these the two redemptions. Ooh. So it says the return from the Babylonian exile and the redemption of the future. Says they're closely related. Oh and it says, my this is, this is very interesting. For as had originally hoped, the return from Babylon would usher in the final era of history. Mm. However, we, the Jews, failed to do complete teshuvah, and therefore, complete realization of the vision in his prophecy was proposed was postponed to the future. Wow! And this is the meaning, or one of the explanations of the twofold meaning of. Nachamu, comfort, refers to the two redemptions. But he says something interesting. He says that <laughs> if, like, Hashem had in mind one redemption, but in order for that to happen, like you you mentioned before, it's like this idea of teshuva. This is, this is like the cure. This is like what it, what it called for. And it just makes me think, you know, we read through the Besorah, and we read about the message of Yokanan, the Immerser. We read about, you know Yeshua Hamashiach, and their message was essentially this: their message was repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Yes. Why?
0: Postponed. Why? I mean, I
1: think, yes, I think I think this was this was the idea here. It was supposed to be one redemption.
2: Oh. They wanted
1: that to be the final redemption, but it required something. It required something on our part because. Uh, this is a relationship. It's not a dictatorship. Hashem gave us free choice,
2: mm, mm, and so mm. the
1: choice. He's saying, he's saying, repent for the kingdom of near is at hand. He's trying to bring us redemption, but it requires us to do teshuva. Say, hey, we messed up on our end. Forgive us. Let's let's come back together. Let's be let's be united again. Let's join back in matrimony. Wow. And so, I think this might be. This whole deeper meaning in Luke, we are already in like Luke, Luke 22, and Luke 22:42, where he talks about if this cup shall pass.
0: Oh, here's your tab.
1: There's my tab. So talking about Luke 22:42. Oh, I lost my place Okay, Luke 22:42 says, "My Father, if only you were willing to make this cup pass for me." Yet let not it be according to my will, but according to your will. And then it goes into the angel came and comforted him. But he says, let this cup pass. And obviously, <laughs> you know, this isn't a cup like you mentioned earlier about the, the four cups of the exodus. There are cups of joy and bonding to a shin.
0: Right. And
1: I believe this is the cup that's mentioned in another part of Yeshiyahu. Yeshiyahu 51.17 It's the cup of God's wrath. Oh, man. And so, this is the cup that he's asking to pass from him. Why? Because he doesn't want the whole idea of, if Israel doesn't repent, Hashem has to destroy his house. And this is Yeshua. Yeshua is like Hashem's manifestation. It's his presence dwelling amongst them. Like, we just got past Echa, and, and, and talking about Echa and Tishba, the destruction of the temple, and That's not his desire. His desire isn't to tear down his house. Yeshua doesn't necessarily want to lay down his life because what he wants, he wants the people to repent.
2: So the redemption
1: can come now. Yes. This is the whole backdrop of why he's sweating blood, of why he needs to be comforted by, you know, Mimpet. And this is what's going on. If this cup shall pass, Isaiah, so like his turn, you know, to. Yeshayahu 51.17 talking about this cup. And I think if we read this verse, we're going to notice some similarities between what's going on with Yeshua up there at this night before the betrayal and what goes on in this just this verse. And so it'd be better if you're following along, um, Man, if you're following along, you know, as a listener, it'd be better to have like the Ivrit with you as well. So if you have like a Tanakh or um, any kind of, scripture with the the Hebrew. So 51:17 it says wake up wake up arise Jerusalem you who have drunk the cup of God's wrath from his hand you have drunk and sucked the cup of poison to the dregs. And dregs I wasn't really familiar with the term. I'll be honest, had to look it up. But it's the remnants of liquid with any sediment or grounds in it. <laughs> What does that remind... You? Well, just, we'll just talk a moment and say, what does that remind you of?
0: The cup with sediment?
1: Yeah. Where have we heard that before? In the Torah.
0: My mind is, like, not computing at the moment, but, um... No. Not, I don't got anything.
1: <laughs> okay. So, we well, hey, um... The whole idea that the, the calf was grounded up and it had to do with the...
0: Oh, uh, you, know, you went... A
1: adulterous woman, or a woman in suspect.
0: Habibi, you went from, like, straight push-shot to, like, straight sewed. That's intense.
1: So, I, I mean, it says it to the dregs, and find there's sediment in this. And what was placed in the cup of the soda?
0: A bitter concoction, bleed it. hmm Wow.
1: Some of the ground taken and, and put in the cup as well.
0: Sediment.
1: the whole sediment, right? And then the the parchment with the Shem's name was written in there.
0: Wow, and wow, so, wow, wow, wow! <laughs>
1: essentially, like the cup of the God's wrath is. A, I, I believe it's allusion to the at least mentioned here the allusion to the cup of the Sota.
0: It has to be because <laughs> it's unfaithfulness is why Mashiach is having to go through this.
1: Yes, and what is he accused of that that they accused him of that we read about um, where he was eventually, you know, led to the execution stake?
0: Well, they called it blasphemy.
1: Like, the whole idea of, like, it would be equivalent almost to, like, what he was doing would be equivalent to what, in their view, I, idolatry or adultery.
0: Idolatry, yes. Go ahead, go, go, go.
1: Idolatry is related to adultery, right? Yes. So, it's like... He's drinking this cup because they suspect him of this idolatry. How can you say that you're, you're a shin? How can you say that you're God? Right? And idolatry is laid to adultery. And so this idea is like, this is the, this is the cup. Even though he's not technically guilty, he still drinks it.
0: Wow.
1: And so it's even, even more fascinating. You know, we, it says arise, arise or wake, wake up, wake up, arise. And then. Oh, I keep on keep putting away my my deliche. If you go there, what does he tell his Talmudim in that, that same area? A little further down. Oh,
0: stay awake.
1: Stay awake.
0: He does it yeah. twice by the way.
1: Yeah. You got it in front of you?
0: Uh yes. Uh-huh. I, when he tells him to wake up?
1: Yeah. Um uh. Forty oh forty six.
0: He asked them why, why they're sleeping.
1: It says, he said to them, why are you sleeping? Arise and pray that you will not come into the hands of testing. That's from Luke 22, 46. And it's interesting. He also says, arise, who me, which is also used in the, in the delish. Yes, it is. So it says, w- wake up, wake up, arise. And right here in Yeshua 51 says, wake up, wake up, arise. You know. And it's talking about drinking this cup. And they just got through Pesach, so they drank their four cups and all this stuff. And so there's these parallels going on here. But what's even more interesting is I was looking at the Ivrit, and, you know, my, my Eshe Khael a while back inspired me with, you know, looking up at, like, Torah codes and patterns. Cool! And so, for so whatever reason, I, I came to this, and I said,
0: okay, I'm going I'm to see what I can find here. All
1: right. And so I I start with the the first yud of it o rari like wake up. Yes. And I like of course this took this took me a while to actually do but this is a pattern that you know was revealed to me it says the yud that last yud of the first letter of the first word where mm-hmm. it says wake up going 15 spaces you get a shin the shin in yusham going 15 more spaces you get The Vav of Hashem. Going 15 more spaces, you get the Ayin, where it's talking about the dregs. Hmm. And so you got Yud, Shin, Vav, Ayin. What do we got?
0: You got, first of all, four 15s, but uh, that's Yeshua.
1: Yeshua. (laughs) So you have Yeshua, and it it gets better. If you go, if you take the hey of the second word, start there,
2: mm-hmm. and you
1: go nine spaces, you have a mim. So you hey, mim, nine more spaces. You get a shin, nine more spaces. You get a yud, nine more spaces. You get a chet, wow hamashiach. So oh, wow. encoded within this verse about drinking God's, the cup of God's wrath, you have Yeshua hamashiach. Man. Not that we were guilty, but that we suspected him. And he took upon the cup. He drank the cups of cup of God's wrath in our place. <laughs> uh, he became a curse for our sake. He, he took on our sins. He who knew not sin, the, the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world without blemish, he who knew not sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God.
0: Wow. So, Tag... I, I absolutely agree, and I am, uh, I'm not surprised that you just Torah coded the Besora. I'm just absolutely blown away by the diligence, the revelation, and the kedushah that had to occur upon this discovery, and. Now, I'm thinking to myself, like, when you're talking about the reality of this, my mind thinks about the fictional world of superheroes, and there's a a character who can, like, cast himself, throw himself, and be other places, or be other people, and obviously that would be Loki, but I just got to watch Ant-Man. And, uh, you know, it's probably a spoiler alert, but Bezrat Hashem is not. But for the sake of the example, there's a part in the movie where they're talking about the quantum realm. And uh, the scientists are doing stuff with the quantum uh, physics today that are absolutely just insane. But in this movie, there was this element of if anyone's in the quantum realm... They can make contact with a person of their choosing that has had um, interaction with that same space or lack thereof space. Who've had um, interaction with that same essence or entity and they can throw themselves into that other person and speak with them and like take on like being that person. So that's kind of crazy and it's really hard to explain. But when you think about Mashiach drinking the cup of the Sota, that's supposed to be our cup. And he, in a sense, because we're connected to Hashem, he's able to throw himself into all of us simultaneously and say, you know what? You're supposed to drink this cup. You're going to die and you're guilty. but, I'm gonna do this. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this through you. You know, which is the whole significance of us being crucified with Mashiach and buried in his death and raised in his resurrection. Like there's this whole thing of being like I mean, I don't really know what to call it, but I mean you have like this contact and this this shift, so to speak, that's happening. So what you're explaining is like on that level of, we're the ones who were supposed to have the cup, but yet he's the one who took it. So, I'm just like that. That's that's crazy.
1: And it was it was uh, it was like this salvation for us. And so you know now if now if anyone goes sees you know Ant Man, you know they could think of they could think of uh, scripture and Yeshua and.
0: Amen. <laughs>
1: oh, <so, laughs> cool finding finding Hashem in all places
0: that's right
1: you know you have this idea of like like you said like es- essentially what you're saying is like because he took on this cup he became our salvation because that was supposed to be our cup that was supposed to be our death. Right. I think this is the hit in the 15 spaces each time for Yeshua it's essentially like alluding to uh, 15 is the American value of good k like right. the name of a sham. so you have those 15 so you have like this, of course, this idea, we've been elucidating this idea of a divine Mashiach.
2: Mm-hmm. You, have,
1: you have this idea of Hashem bringing salvation, you know, with this, this 15. And then with Hamashiach, there's this there's these nine spaces. And what's interesting, because I really think of, you know, we have we, we have Tishba'av, like the whole destruction of the temple, right? The ninth of Av. Mm-hmm. So these nine spaces of Mashiach, talking about the Mashiach, will have to be to destroy but also it goes my mind goes the letter tet yes which is the ninth letter of the hebrew alphabet and if i may i think if we kind of talk about this talk about the tet i think it gives us even more insight in like shua and clarifying him as the messiah
0: get you some yes sir
1: all right tet swerve cool we have tet it says um, I'm, I'm, going, I'm quoting from the Hebrew letters by Ginsburg, Rabbi Yitzhak Ginsberg, and he talks about the tet being the initial letter for the word to, good also Ooh. talks about its form is like inverted, symbolizing hidden inverted good talking about the good that's concealed within it and he also relates it to like the nine months of pregnancy we're going to put a tab on that and come back to that
0: good night It goes on to saying, in the the first verse of
1: the Torah, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. The initial letters are Aleph, He, Vav, He, which is God's hidden name within creation. And so it also has an American value of 17, which is Tov, which also starts with Tet.
2: Mm, mm, mm.
1: And so continuing on, this idea of, of goodness, this idea of Hashem's name concealed in creation, this idea of pregnancy talks about this idea of uh, divine eminence, concealed, must be concealed, so as to endow creation with a sense of independent and man with free choice. So like we said, um, Hashem's name at the beginning, gematria 17, which is Tov, starts with a tet, and so it talks about divine eminence, like Hashem's divinity had to be concealed within creation with a sense of independence, so to, to provide us with a sense of independence and free choice. So a little apologetics note, you know, why Hashem just doesn't come out and reveal himself, you know, because he wants to give us a free choice. Like we said, you know, Hashua said repent and uh, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Like it, he, it's not a dictatorship. He doesn't control us like robots. Like there's an effort that must be made on our part. So, mm. so a little swerve. Wow. He goes on to talk about the root of the word olam, world, means concealment, uh, alama. So it's like ayin lamed mim is the root. As in the verse, uh, zeshmi leolam, this is my name forever, which the sages read, this is my name, or this is my name to conceal. Mm-hmm. And so goes on talking about the tet represents the concealment of God's essential name throughout all of reality. And you know, Rabbi Griffin brought out and the idea of Mashiach ben Yosef and his his Tuba Ab um uh drosh, the idea of Mashiach ben Yosef is to be concealed, is to be hidden. Yep. And so right we have we have this idea of like tet, it's like inverted, it's concealed, it's hidden, it represents Tov, like goodness, the goodness that's concealed within creation. And here we have Mashiach is spaced out, Hamashiach is spaced out between nine letters. So you have this idea of this is the hidden Mashiach, this is Mashiach ben Yosef. And it goes on talking about, we put a tab on the nine months of pregnancy. And so elucidating that, the idea of this goodness hidden in the world, He says, world, olam, and for also meaning forever. Also, the root of that, ayin, lam, mim, also means maiden. And he quotes here, he says, Behold, the maiden, Ha'alma, is pregnant and will bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. God is with us. He, co- he comments on here, says, in this verse, the word son, bin, equals 52, while his name Emmanuel, Emmanuel equals 197. He says, this alludes to the impregnant secret of the first day of, of Breshit, creation, whose account in the beginning of the Torah contains 52 words and 197 letters. <laughs> and so within this te- within these nine spaces of the Mashiach, there's an allusion to the verse that, Behold, the maiden, the Alma, will bear a son. And of course, we know it's talking about Mashiach Yeshua, and it also relates that to the, the beginning of creation. And we've, we've talked about before how this light of creation, the light of the world, the word of Hashem, became manifest and so like through the Gamacha, through the hebrew letters this is all made known within the account of creation that an alma which you know rabbi griffin is also pointed out in his drawing proving that you know the alma is always is pretty much always in reference to a virgin especially a virgin especially going back to the story of yitzhak and la's are finding him a wife
0: that's right so you have this idea
1: of the virgin bearing a son and that being Hamashiach, that being the Messiah. And all that's within the word, within the letter ket, this concealed good that's meant to be manifest out into the world.
0: Well, Tag, if you look at what I agree with, <laughs> which is our thing, coal, um, you have your spaces that you counted between the letters. You know, you counted 15, basically, um, three times and on, on the letters of Yeshua, you know, those little gaps between Yeshua, mm-hmm. that'd be 15, three times. Is that correct?
1: Like 45?
0: Yes. You know where I'm going?
1: Are you going to say Adam?
0: I am. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then if you count those spaces between Mashiach, that's four nines. Is that correct?
1: One, two, three. Or wait, oh uh, let see. One, two, three, four. Yes.
0: Nine times four is how, how many hidden Zadakim in each generation? Ah, uh,
1: thirty-six. oh yes.
0: There you go.
1: So you have a an Adam and thirty six, the, the hidden the hidden Zadakim, the thirty six corresponding to light, corresponding to dimensions of the Torah that we elucidated in the last half Torah. And then an Adam, you have Essentially, you could split that off into Aleph-Dom, which is essentially, you could look at it as like the blood, Dom, Aleph-26, like the blood of Hashem, like Aleph as like the ox, which is Yosef, the blood of Yosef. Ah, that's
0: beautiful. Boy, you need to get some help. You articulated everything. (laughs)
1: Man, that's awesome! I didn't, I didn't even need to think to calculate all the spaces like that. That's incredible, <laughs> Adam. So you have Adam, and you have the thirty-six Sadakim on account the world is sustained by, <laughs> and you have you have this. You know, even in um, the Talmud, there's this discussion about the entire world is was created for Mashiach.
0: Oh. You know, so.
1: They talk about Moshe, they talk about David, and then one guy says Mashiach, and I say yes, because <laughs> the first three will be like the second redeemer, and Ooh. you know David is the name of Mashiach, so.
0: And then you add that, pun intended, three, three plus six for 36 is nine.
1: You so said three plus six is yep. nine? Oh, wow. Yep. They yep. say also nine is the letter of truth, because the- any anytime you multiply nine to another nine... Like the digits will equal 9. So like 9 times 1 gives you 9. 9 times 2 gives you 18. 1 plus 8 equals 9. 9 times 3, three gives you 27. 7 plus 2 equals 9. And then what Yeshua says, I am the way, the truth, and the light. That's right. So he's, he's referring to himself as like the Tet, this hidden goodness that's within the world that's meant to be born out into the world.
0: That's right. Wow. So... Also add with that, because the word amet is 441, which is 4 plus 4 plus 1. That's 9.
1: Wow. You just had to br- you had to bring your name into it.
0: I just had to, <laughs> I had to. I had to. I just had to name call. You were
1: claiming, you were claiming that letter of Torah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> said, I'm going to be inscribed in the Torah. I'm going to be inscribed in the Book of Life.
0: Boy, better believe that.
1: Claim that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Man.
1: What was that verse, the, the violent take it by force?
0: That's right, yes, yes.
1: <laughs> Incredible. So, you have this idea, right after right after this, him him saying, if this cup shall pass, but if it be at your will, you know, and so he takes this cup of affliction, he takes this cup of God's wrath upon himself, and after that, you know, he essentially, skipping a few steps, he goes to the execution stake, bringing it back to our, our Parsha, um... On this word, uh, on the double use of the word for compassion, the uh, the Midrash, words of Midrash Eka, it's explained with Midrash Eka. it says, they sinned doubly, they were punished doubly, and they were comforted doubly. Mm. What, uh, what this goes on to say is says, the doubling factor refers to Hashem himself decreeing the destruction of Jerusalem which had the, which was beyond the the normal dynamic of punishment what and yeah and so
0: wait 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 beyond the what
1: beyond the normal dynamic of punishment and so just to clarify this idea it talks about how when hashim rewards us he rewards us beyond beyond uh beyond what's what would be necessary But when he he punishes us, he says, with sin, Hashem merciful restricts punishments to the physical dynamics of the sin. And so essentially, it's like, Hashem does not punish the sinner. Instead, sinning sets in a motion, a process in the physical universe that results in uh, a punishing consequence inherent to that sin. But right here, he said he went beyond the normal dynamics. He went beyond this idea of Hashem of restricting punishment. So it's like this is him casting casting Yaakov, casting the fallen one down to the ground in order to afflict punishment on him on account of everyone else.
0: This is also Philippians two eight. And being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, mm. even death on a stake. So wow. The idea, not only that he was cast down as that man, but that the death that he suffered was beyond normal punishment.
1: Yeah, it was beyond the normal physical dynamics of the sin. It was beyond normal punishment. And so, you know, this is coming from Parsha Echa. Uh, it's, it's, of course, the destruction of the temple, which Mashiach likens himself to. Tear down this temple and I'll raise it in three days. Mm. And the sore comments he was referring to himself. Mm. And so... Talks about for the Beit Hamikdash to be destroyed, Hashem had to decree its destruction and remove His Shekhinah, His divine presence. And so you think about that. Uh-oh. Like a lot of people look at that as, okay, Hashem destroying the Beit Hamikdash and removing His presence, and they look at, oh well, how mean! What a what a vengeful God, you know, Chas v'Shalom. Mm. But it's funny because you know you have on the other side of the spectrum you have, oh. You know, no one looks at Yeshua's death as that, that way. Right. Oh, look, he destroyed that, he destroyed that, how mean. They look at it, oh, wow, what a, what grace, what mercy. Mm. And so you, you really have to check yourself. You're like, what is the Beha
0: Mikdash? It's essentially his home. Come on now. Shechana
1: is essentially his presence. And so when Hashem destroys this, he's destroying it on account of B'nei Israel. Mm. He's, he's destroying his very house. He's destroying his dwelling so he you know the son of man has no place to lay his head he's he's removing his presence from the situation why on account of them so that they would do teshuva? why why does he want us to do teshuva? is, is he so eager for apology is he does he need that so much no he wants to bring us the kingdom of heaven he wants to bring us the kingdom of heaven but that requires us to do teshuvah and so he's gonna do everything he can to, to make our hearts stir within us in order for us to make the move where he can make his move and give us eternal shalom without all this yetzahara, without all this evil and death and, and, and sin in the world. But that requires movement on our part, and he's willing to destroy his house. He's willing to remove his presence in order to do this. And this is a pattern that you say throughout Scripture. It's not just in the Besorah, like, like Rabbi Griffin says, you know, there's nothing new in the New Testament. Mm. You know, not that, you know, there is such a thing in New Testament, Old Testament, you know, but, you know, there's nothing new in it. You know, I think that elaborates the (laughs) point. And so you have at Yeshua's execution stake, his body, you know, he'd stab his body, his body's destroyed, he's dead, and then he gives up his spirit. So this is the breaking of the the Beha Mikdash, the destroying of the house, and the giving up of spirit is like Hashem removing his Shekinah from from the Beham Mikdash. Man. And so, and I think it's interesting that it talks here a little about Yeshayahu, and it says that Yeshayahu's love for B'nai Israel was such that he would associate his name only with the righteousness of the nation and not their sins. <laughs> I would go further and say that Hashem's love for B'nai Israel, or Yeshua's love for B'nai Israel, was so much more so that he would associate his name with their sins, so that they might become the righteousness that's in Him, so they might imitate Him and walk in His ways. And so, Hashem's love is even greater. Yeshua's love is even greater than Yeshiyahu's.
0: That's right, man. Well, that's two words of the haftarah.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's the first two words of the haftarah. <laughs> Say, man!" Like, what? What an incredible, what an
0: incredible God we serve. Absolutely. You know?
1: Even with the Torah, even with the Torah, like like following it brings blessing in and of itself, and yet He still gives us a reward in the world to come. (laughs) Like how great, how how amazing is that? You know, how incredible, man. And just the links He goes, the links He goes, just to restore us to Him.
0: I mean, when you really talk about how Hashem not only associates His name with our righteousness, but also with our sin. I mean, that's deep right there. You know, this is, this is why we're exhorted. We're encouraged to love those who hate us because that's what Hashem does. You know, like when we sin, we're in a sense telling Hashem that we dislike him at best, you know, and it's just like, Hashem's like, that's okay. I put my name there. Shalom Bayit, you know, Like true Shalom Bayit is shown by Hashem staying connected to his people while they're faithless. And so taking his example, he wants us to have that same kind of love for the world so that we can associate our name with those who are sinners and that they can take our righteousness. So literally, we have such a beautiful opportunity to bring in the redemption with Hashem, with Mashiach, because the whole concept of our faith in Mashiach is that we're in Mashiach as he is in Hashem. So we have like this two layer of clothing, so to speak, you know, and it's like, when we operate in that same power, that resurrected Mashiach from the dead, and we go out here, And we love those who hate us. We extend grace to the sinners. We associate ourselves with them to imbue them with righteousness. I mean, that's incredible. It's hard. It's challenging. It's tough. But it's like, that's what the meaning of go out into all the world, to all the nations, teaching them everything that I taught you, you know, and giving them the mikvah. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Ruach HaKodesh. You know, like we're going to immerse them in the totality of Hashem through His teachings and through the living water. So, what you're talking about there is heavy, heavy, heavy.
1: Heavy as a mountain?
0: A whole lot of mountain.
1: (laughs) I'm going to say that because there's, you know, like everything you're bringing down, this whole concept is... Related in a midrash from our, our next verse, or one of the next verse, if you go on to verse 4. Uh-oh. Talking about in, in order to create an even path for the homecoming Jews, every valley will be elevated, every mountain will, and hill will be lowered. The crooked ways will become straight, and the mountain ranges will turn to smooth plain. There's, there's a poetic description of the ease and convenience with which the Jews will reach Israel, and allegorically... It's the leveling out of the train refers to the complete reversal of all mankind's moral values, which must be set in place before Shem's honor, can be revealed in Mashiach's era. And so, you know, it's like this idea of he's putting his honor, he's putting his honor second. If I may, maybe a quick story time.
0: Sto- I was wondering if we were ever going to get to do story time again. So I appreciate well, you.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like we, we did... I, I read a story, but he didn't announce about story time. So let's—we just got—we're talking about this redemption. So let's just redeem that.
0: All right, let's redeem it.
1: <laughs> all right. So on a midrash, on this idea that, that you placed forth, story time.
0: Story time.
1: It says, "In the future, the Jewish nation will wail. We can see all the plains where we used to sin." And we feel embarrassed. We see the valley which which we serve the god Belpior in Moshe's time. And the sight makes us cringe with shame. Hashem will reply, I will make all these plains unrecognizable. Every valley will be raised and every mountain where you serve idols will be lowered. B'nai Israel will then declare, I will be embarrassed by the name Azuva, the forsaken one, which you have given me. I will call you by new name, Hashem will reassure them. You will be known as Chetzvah, the Desired One, Yeshayahu six, 62, 4. Still the Jews won't be satisfied. Our sinful deeds are written down before you. They will s- state sadly. I will erase the script, Hashem will reassure them. But he will leave a mark, the Jews will object. Hashem will finally tell them, I have blotted out your rebellious sins like a cloud. Yeshayahu 44, 4422. This idea he he blotted our sins like a cloud and we mentioned before that a cloud is the name of Mashiach.
0: That's right. He blotted out our sins and Mashiach. Yes.
1: Which is himself, as we talked about, the one who comforts him, you
0: know, Menachem. Wow. You know, and this whole
1: idea of him blotting our sins is this idea of him comforting Ben Israel because they're so distressed over their sins. Okay, <laughs> you know, uh, Paraphrasing this whole midrash, it goes on to say, B'nai Israel's shame and embarrassment about their past misdeeds will complete their teshuva, and their transgressors will be completely ara- their transgressions tlika, will be completely erased. Hashem will then transform the mountains and valleys where they sin, making them unrecognizable so they are no longer evoke an accusation by, uh, by the, the medat of hadin, medat of judgment. And wow. what's interesting is, is you brought down that Mashiach, one of Mashiach's name is called Great Mountain.
0: Yep. Who are you, O Great Mountain, before Zerubbabel?
1: Okay, and this mountain that they're talking about is also associated with the place where they sinned.
0: What?
1: And so here you have this, this Mashiach, you have the place where they sinned, and then it says Hashem will transform the mountains making them unrecognizable and so what's that verse in the nevi'im the prophets where it says essentially he he was beaten to the point of no recognition
0: oh isaiah 53
1: so this idea like this idea of mountain this idea of sin come into one area and hashem says i'm gonna make them so recognizable i'm gonna i'm gonna essentially beat my dwelling place to the point where it's no longer recognizable you can't tell where the temple stood. You can't, you can't tell. Is this, even, is this even a man? Is this even you know, Yeshua being beaten down? Wow. He's going to make that unrecognizable so that their shame will be done away with. So that the very image of the destructed temple, the very image of Yeshua beaten, bloodied, bruised, we look at that and it, it's kind of like what we, what we talked about. I think it was, it was last half tour, maybe a couple of ones ago about the Sador related to the sacrifices and when we look at the Sador, it's like this picture of our relationship that once was right and we look at the broken temple we look at yeshua beaten bloodied and bruised we look at the relationship that that once was and it, it stirs our hearts to see hey that was that's what was supposed to happen to me but hashem did it to his own house hashem yeah. removed his name hashem removed his presence to stir me to teshuva to walk like like towards him and wow. he did it all to comfort me and to cover up my transgressions.
0: That's it. Well, if I could, I would like to just kind of read parts of uh, chapter 53 because, I mean, it's so beautiful. So I'll start in verse 2. And I'm going to read from the Orthodox Jewish Bible.
2: All right.
0: This is a get you some. Okay. So it says, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant as a Shoresh. You can see Sanhedrin 93b talking about that. And it says, out of a dry ground, he has no form or comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with suffering. And we hid as it were, our faces from him, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our sufferings and our sorrows, yet we did not, or yet we did esteem him stricken like a leper, smitten of Hashem and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. And this is the verse you were alluding to. He was abused he was bruised for our iniquities. And the the chastisement that brought us shalom was upon him. Now listen at this phrase. The cost of his chabura we are healed at the cost of his chabura. As in the Kurban, like yeah, it uses the same basically the root word of destruction talking about,